Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the ACB Board of Directors Fall Board Meeting uh, for November 14th, uh, 2020. We'll be with you all today from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started. This was the call to order, and I will ask uh, Denise Colley, our uh, secretary to please do the roll call and the introduction of guests. So thank you, Denise. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Dan Spoon. Present. Mark Reichert. Good morning. Ray Campbell. Good morning. And I'm here. David Trott. David. <laughs> Kim Charlson. Here. Jeff Bishop. Here. Donna Brown. Here. Sarah Conrad. Here. Dan Dillon. Here. Katie Frederick. <clears throat> Jim Crott. I'm missing a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, Doug Powell here. Pat Sheehan here. Michael Talley. Good morning. Jeff Tom. I just heard him say he had left the meeting. <laughs> yeah, so maybe he'll he be right here. back. <laughs> and, and David Trot just came on. David Tr David Trot just came. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah. You. yeah, David Trot just came on. <laughs> <laughs> About time, you know David. what David Trot just came up. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't find my email. <laughs> um, from the BOP, Penny Reader. Here. Staff, Eric Bridges. Here. Clark Rockfall. Here. Tony Stevens. Here. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, Nancy Becker. Here. Cindy Hollis. Here. Claire Stanley. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Kelly Gask. Here. And any other any other staff? Okay. <clears throat> Contractors, Debbie Hazelton. Here. Jason Combs. <laughs> I can't even say your name this morning. <laughs> That's okay. Present. Yes. <laughs> uh, any uh, any other contractors? Okay. Yes, I so. know. Yes, I know. We have Janet Dickelman. Yes, I'm here. Other guests. And I know later on we will have Deb Cook Lewis will be joining yeah, us. That's what I was waiting for. And okay. Jim. Jim Crott and Jeff Tom just came back. Thank you, because I didn't hear the. Okay, thank you very much, Ray. Mr. Chair, that completes the call of the roll. All right, thank you. So I think the only person we haven't heard from in or out yet is is uh, is Sharon has just joined. Sharon and, joined. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Katie, I don't know if we've heard her yet. So we'll we'll be keep our ears open for Katie. This say, is Jeff. I'm back. Me. I had an internet failure for Did a second. You, Yes, we heard, right before your name got called, we heard yeah. that Thomas left the meeting. <laughs> and and I, uh, before we go on to the rest of the agenda, I know several of you have contacted me and have, uh, you know, some meeting uh, 
we, we have a very busy, active, productive board and staff. And so we have a few people that have to drop on and off for different things uh, for little segments of the meeting today. So we will try to, you know, work around the agenda a little bit to uh, make sure that we, we don't interfere with people's reports. So I have at least right now that uh, Pat Sheehan needs to be off from 12 to 1. Jeff Tom from 1.30 to 3.30, Cindy Hollis from 12 to 2 and after 4.30, and I believe that's all the people that have contacted me. If there's anybody else that, you know, we need to work or make sure we can work around to, to facilitate everybody being able to participate, uh, please let me know. Uh, all right. Yes, Jeff Bishop. Uh, I will be um, listening, but not we'll probably be able to talk between four thirty and five thirty, four thirty and five thirty Eastern time. Okay. And the other thing I want to just make everybody aware: of, we will. This is not eight hours of straight conversation. We will take some breaks. I didn't put them in the agenda because I, you know, we'll wait and kind of do it at. You never know time wise when we're going to get to each item on the agenda, so we'll try to you know, take a break every couple of hours so everybody can, uh, you know, stretch their legs, grab a bite to eat, those type of things. So let me go through and, uh, and do the review and approval of the agenda. So one was called order, two was roll call and introduction of guests with Denise Colley's secretary, three is review and approval of the agenda, Dan Spoon, four is review and approval of the August 27th telephonic board meeting minutes. And that was the meeting that concentrated on resolutions, just to refresh everybody's memory. Uh, five is our mission moment, uh, Dan Spoon and Eric Bridges, And we're going to celebrate uh, the work done with accessible voting and the efforts of Clark Rackfall. Six is the president's report. A is an update on groups IO, uh, which is a new ability to do email list. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, B is constant contact and accessibility issues we're having there. And C is the formation of the voting ad hoc committee. Uh, Pat Sheehan is going to be the chair and Jeff Tom, the vice chair. Seven is our executive director's report from Eric Bridges. There, A, we're going to, he's going to give us an update on the advisory board meeting we just had a few weeks ago in October. B, to give us an update on kind of on our IT server and additional migrations that are happening in the IT space. C is talk a, bit, a little bit about the celebration of the CVAA 10th anniversary and the work ACB did there. And D is the always important other updates because Eric has flashing stuff that comes in all the time and I don't want to leave any of it out. Uh, Eight is we have to do some uh, just logistics business of different board representatives that need to be approved for different committees. So A, it is our budget and finance committee. We have currently three uh, board, bu board members that are representatives on the budget and finance committee, David Trott, treasurer, Kim Charlson, immediate past president, and Pat Sheehan, board member. B is we have to elect a chair of our public relations committee. Currently, that is Katie Frederick. And C, we have to elect a board representative to the credentials committee, Currently, that is Pat Sheehan. Um, nine is our uh, 
financial narrative of how we're doing with our finances through September 2020, and that's David Trott, ACB Treasurer. Ten, it's now time for us to make a, uh, a decision on our drawdown on our legacy endowment fund. And Nancy Marks Becker, our chief financial officer, is going to present us how our investment funds are doing and a, a recommendation of a drawdown from that fund. Eleven is a report out from our resolutions ad hoc committee that was chaired by Ray Campbell and uh, co-chair by Mark Reichert. Uh, they finished their work and would like to report out to the board on, on their recommendations. Uh, and then 12, it's that time of year where we need to elect our members of our ACBES board of directors. Uh, this board is responsible for electing three, um, three positions this time, whose terms have, uh, people whose terms have termed out. Those are Michael Garrett, who's currently serving as the chair of ACBES, uh, David Trott, and Kim Charlson. Then uh, we're going to go into kind of flip a little of the conversation Jeff and all was talking about yesterday. We're really going to get into understanding our different programs and how they're progressing. So we'll do an introduction from Eric and I. And then 13 will be the convention steering committee with Janet Dickelman. 14 will be membership services with Cindy Hollis. 15 will be advocacy with Clark Rackful. 16 will be audio description project with Kim Charlson. 17 will be information referral and peer support, or ERPS, as Claire likes to call it, with Claire Stanley. Uh, 18 will be scholarship and awards with Cindy Hollis. Uh, 19 will be public awareness with Kelly Gass. 20 will be development and fundraising with Tony Stevens. And 21 will be management and administration with Nancy Marks Becker. 22 will be open discussion. 23 will be our executive committee elections. We need to elect three officers and two board members to be on our executive committee for the upcoming year. And then 24 is an executive session. Won't be too long, but we do have a couple of things we need to update the board on. And then 25 is adjourned. So that's the proposed agenda. Do I have a motion to approve the agenda? This is Donna. So I'll make a motion. Okay, Donna moves. David second. David Trot seconds. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you all very much. <clears throat> now we'll go on to item four, which is review and approval of the August 27th fall board of directors meeting minutes. And I'll turn it over to uh, Denise Colley, ACP secretary. Thank you. So the August 27th, 2020 minutes were sent out. Uh, unfortunately, we got to send them out after all the correction, the very few corrections were made. Thank you to Kim again, and thank you to Nancy and Nancy Christine for all their assistance with this project. Um, so I would um, entertain a motion that- I move that the uh, minutes be accepted as distributed. This is Doug. Okay, Doug Powell is moving. Ray Campbell has seconded. Uh, Madam Secretary, a any question. discussion? Okay, go go yeah, ahead, Madam, Ray. Yes. Madam Secretary, a question. Um, yes. In the this, in the discussion of the resolutions ad hoc task force, you had they are in there twice. Has that been corrected? You have they are, and then you have they are, and then the members of the task force. 
I will check. Thank you okay. for that. Yeah, it read it twice. That's, so that's thank you very much. Thank you. Very minor. Thank you, Ray, oh, for no, catching that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank yeah, you. And, Ray. and the the other thing is that uh, uh, my uh, my Mac um, spell checker says that rulemaking is misspelled. So I wonder if it's R. You know, if, if there's a space between those two. Hmm. Well, the Mac doesn't know. <laughs> Not according to spell check, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Microsoft I, maybe, doesn't think maybe, so. Maybe so that's Apple a, and Microsoft will have to discuss that. I was going to say, maybe yeah. that's an Apple and Microsoft conversation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, any other discussion? <laughs> Hearing none, all those in favor of the approval of the meeting minutes signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Very Denise, much. for your hard work. And thank you, uh, you know, Kim and uh, Nancy and Nancy for your work as well. Appreciate it. Um, all right. Uh, now, item number five, always a fun part of our meeting, and that is our mission moment. Uh, today, we really want to celebrate the work of Clark Rackful associated with accessible voting. I think it's just been outstanding to see what ACB has been able to accomplish in this area this year. And and the driver of this truly was Clark with all of his hard work for well over a year, uh, helping to coordinate and support our affiliates. And uh, just, you know, it's, it's a labor of love, I know, for Clark. But, I mean, this was a really focused uh, effort for just such a long period of time. And it really put ACB on the forefront as a advocacy consumer group that is really able to react quickly and do what was right for our members. So I want to say thanks to Clark and turn it over to Eric uh, for more uh, conversation. Yeah. So Clark has spent a ton of his work days, weekends, evenings, uh, dealing really with uh, many different facets of accessible voting. So Back in, uh, back in April, uh, he and Claire worked on uh, a pretty phenomenal uh, sign-on letter that I believe Clark didn't have about 75 national, uh, state, and local organizations signed on to it okay. as a sign-on letter to Congress. That is correct. Um, which is arguably the largest sign-on letter that ACB has done, at least in the time that I've been uh, uh, you know, employed here as a, as a staff member, um, dealing, dealing with accessible, uh, voting, you know, the, the complaints that we have, uh, entered into with our state affiliates, there's been a ton of collaboration that Clark and also Claire have done, uh, with states like New York, um, as well as North Carolina um, outreach and just keeping keeping in uh, good two-way communication with, with states like Florida and their advocacy efforts. A lot has gone on. Our affiliates have been really active and actually quite successful in many cases. Uh, a lot of a lot of this um, is is Clark reaching out to them to get an understanding of their strategies because voting is, is really a state by state issue. Um, when you get right down to the nub of 
how things operate. And so along with that, Clark's gotten to know some of the companies, uh, Voting Works, um, uh, was it Democracy Live? Democracy, uh, help me, Clark. That's it, Democracy Live. Democracy Live, thank you. I keep thinking of Democracy Now, but that's a radio show. Um, so just a, a ton and, and has done community events with these organizations as well. Also the election, Elections Assistance Commission, um, you know, which is a federal agency. And I believe you, during a community event, interviewed uh, the, either the chair or one of the commissioners, correct, of the EAC. Um, so the, just a ton of uh, time and effort has gone into this, uh, this thing called accessible voting. And we are, we are viewed as thought leaders in our, in our field in this area. And, you know, uh, I just want to recognize and thank uh, you, Clark, for really the tremendous amount of time that, that has gone into the since, I mean, dating back to West Virginia uh, and that when that began late last fall, but really since April of this year. Uh, well done. Would you like to say anything? Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. And thank you, Dan. Um, it's, it's certainly impressive to see what ACB as an organization has accomplished over this past year. Um, I'm thankful for this recognition, but I certainly could not and would never want to do this alone. So thank you to all of our members and affiliates uh, who spearheaded efforts and initiatives, um, you know, in their in their own states and working locally and advocating for these policy changes. Um, also, certainly could not do this work without our own Claire Stanley who helped generate uh, you know, the content for the Accessible Voting Toolkit, worked with states, represented ACB on the National Coalition on Accessible Voting, which ACB is a, a, you know, a founding member for, um, as well as worked with the elections app company Brink and other partners in this space. So a, a big a big thank you and hip hip hooray all around. Um, Mr. President. Yes, Ray. Good morning. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Clark and uh, Claire and everybody, congratulations, certainly on all the um, efforts. Um, I will just say that one thing I found very helpful to me and because of our advocacy here in Illinois uh, was getting to hear the demonstrations of some of the systems, um, Democracy Lives uh, system through, through Anthony's work with Sunday Edition and uh, the Voting Works, Voting Works uh, system that was uh, demonstrated on a uh, accessible voting uh, community event. Uh, uh, that gave me, those were the Voting Works is the system primarily used here in Illinois, except for that, that, that one that's kind of been in the news lately, Dominion, that was used in a couple of places. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, congratulations to all your work. And, uh, you know, there's, I, I, I only mention what we did in our state because that there are, I think there are probably advocacy efforts that went, you know, maybe a little under the radar. And I know ours did. And we had, um, and what I found, uh, 
great was a really great thing here is that we were able to work with very cooperatively with our our nfb uh, friends after they kind of started the discussion with our state elections board and with uh, our protection and advocacy folks at equip for equality to uh, uh make make it happen um and we it, it came together really quick uh so uh but that was, you know, spearheaded and, you know, kind of pushed by the, the work that ACB and Clark and Claire and you guys did. So uh, thank you. And again, congratulations. Thank you, Ray. And, and you're right. And, and, uh, and oh, hey, welcome, Katie. Um, and then the, um, you know, I think also what uh, accessible voting did was it gave uh, ACB and NFB an opportunity to, to get together uh, two months ago and really have a good conversation about our parallel efforts working on accessible voting with uh, Mark Riccobono and John and Clark and Eric and I were part of that meeting and we have a follow-up meeting set up for next week. So, uh, you know, it's it's been a really good ability for the consumer groups to come together and I always believe we are stronger when we are working together on a particular issue. Dan, this is Kim. Yes. Yes, Kim. I just wanted to um, add my my kudos to uh, Clark and to Claire for all the support they gave Massachusetts in our efforts to get um, accessible electronic voting. And we started out having accessible voting that we had to, we could vote, and then we had to print and mail in, and then um, through um, a judicial action. We, we now have um, electronic voting that we can submit as well. So we're one of the first states to do that, I think along with North Carolina. And Clark and Claire were so helpful. Um, I don't know how they juggled all the activity that was going on all over the country, but if I needed to know who else was doing something, they could tell me. And, and that information was critical at a lot of points in our efforts. So. Thank you for everything you guys did. Um, I know there's more for all of us to do in the states that didn't have success during this period, but it's always an ongoing issue. And I'm glad to hear that that um, there'll be a follow-up meeting next week because it is a mutual issue that um, both consumer organizations fully support. So good work and um, good luck next week. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Yes, go ahead, Jan. Um, I just want to add, uh, to make our meeting longer, um, of course, kudos to um, both Claire and Clark. Um, Florida certainly uh, had a, a bumpy road, and we still have a lot of work to do, but the resource that ACB provided by being there through Clark and Claire um, can't be uh, overstated. Uh, I'm sure that... Um, uh, they will continue to do their great advocacy efforts, uh, and I just want to remind everybody on this call that I have been doing voting advocacy for 20 years as a primary focus and remain available to personally help or assist any chapter in any way that I can to ensure that they're able to make progress with accessible voting and Hope that we can join Massachusetts and uh, North Carolina soon and somehow uh, have electronic ballot return. Thank you, Clark, and thank you, Claire. Job well done.
Thank you, Jim. And, and thanks to everybody on this board for all your hard work in this area. And Clark, thank you and your team. Great work. We really appreciate it. Mr. Chair? Uh, yes. Go ahead, Denise. Yes. Uh, go ahead, Denise. Um, I just wanted to back up a minute to the minutes and say, Ray, I did just correct your, make your correction. So thank you. All right. Very good. Now that's quick work. All right. <laughs> Been there, done that, Denise. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Now we'll, uh, we'll move on to item number six, which is the president's report. Uh, in uh, respect to Pat Sheehan's commitment, I'm going to flip around uh, and put C in front of A and B. And so I'll, I'll take a deep breath so Pat can kind of get his notes together. And uh, we uh, have heard our uh, board and our members loud and clear that we really need to uh, understand what we need to do to make uh, voting a reality at this year's 2021 virtual convention. And so we have uh, formed an ad hoc uh, voting committee group to look at the DC code, our constitution, and not try to, uh, as I've asked Pat, not boil the water and try to solve voting forevermore, but just to solve the issue of how do we vote uh, at the 2021 convention. Uh, and then I think we can work at more long range type of constitution and bylaw changes if they're necessary uh, when we meet together in 2022 in Omaha. So I would like to introduce Pat Sheehan and I think he is prepared to introduce his, um, his ad hoc committee to the board today. So Pat. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Yes, I have invited uh, 12 people to be on this committee. Uh, I've heard from about eight of them. I still have a few more I need to hear from. <clears throat> um, uh, members of the committee, I hope I don't forget any of them, but I've got Jeff Tom as my vice chair. I've, I've asked uh, Connie Sims from South Dakota to be on this committee. Uh, I've also asked for uh, Maria Hansen, who has agreed to be on the committee. Um, Maria Christick, I'm still waiting to hear from her. Uh, Ray Campbell, of course, because of the work you've done on resolutions. John Huffman, um, uh, John McCann, Michael Garrett, uh, Matt Selms. Uh, Claire, of course, is going to be on it. She, um, she has got drafted. Um, And those are the ones that I've heard from so far. And I think uh, Will, the, Will Burley. Oh, I'm I, sorry. Yes, you're right. Will Burley agreed also. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are the individuals that I've heard from. I've got a couple other calls out to individuals hoping that they will agree to be on the committee. I, as I see the task going forward, we have two tasks. The first is to make sure that we have the authority uh, to vote remotely. And I think that's going to be the one that is going to be the most paramount to start off with. The second is, is going to be to look at the different uh, process for doing that. And the processes, uh, we listen to some of the states. We have some ideas from that, from those groups. We want to make sure that we get the authority first and then develop the processes second. So I have people that are, have expertise in both areas. 
and I'm uh, looking forward to working with this group. Uh, <clears throat> we would uh, hope to have our meetings starting pretty soon. We need to really get rocking and rolling here. So I'm excited about the group. I think we've got good expertise on the constitutional side on the, uh, and on the process side. We'll put a uh, roadmap together for each group. Uh, Dan, of course, I'm sure you and Eric will be part of this whole group too. I didn't mention you guys, but you don't get off the hook either. So uh, that's the group that I'm looking to put forward and uh, get started with. I think we'll come up with a good uh, product. And I think, Dan, you're right. We need to look at 2021, uh, get a good, um, get the authority in place, get the process in place, and then move forward and uh, make sure that we do it efficiently and effectively. Thank you, Pat. And I've asked Pat if uh, he can work with the committee to bring a uh, report and uh, hopefully solution back to the board uh, for our February board meeting associated with the DC leadership conference. So thank you, Pat. Any questions for Pat? Um, Mike, only question I have, Dan, would be uh, actually for the folks maybe out in the DC area that maybe have their ears to the ground out there. uh, Do we think that I would have to think the answer is yes, but have we heard anything about this authority that's in the, that was added to the code being extended into 2021? I would have to think it would be, but uh, have we heard anything official yet? Yeah, and just to kind of update everybody, what Ray's referring to is, uh, you know, right now there was code put uh, in the DC non-for-profit code. There was language, I should say, put in the DC non-for-profit code that allowed the mayor uh, to put an exemption in that would allow corporations to conduct business uh, without having to refer to their constitution and bylaws. But right now, that, uh, that executive order uh, is set to expire at the end of 2020. I mean, we have every belief that given the certain circumstances around the COVID-19 virus, that she will extend it to 2021, but we, we haven't heard that yet. And so if anybody has connections with uh, the DC mayor's office, you know, please uh, have a conversation with either Pat or, or Claire. We'd really appreciate it. We have every expectation that it will be extended, but you never know about Washington. Right. <laughs> exactly. So Dan, any other discussion? Is, uh, Doug? Is, yeah, this is no. Doug. Um, we, we did get a, a document in, a, in the uh, Dropbox folder mm-hmm. that spoke to the, the voting and that it, I, I thought it was a done deal. And I thought we were going to vote on, you know, vote on it. Or, I mean, that aspect of things uh, in terms of the DC code, sounds like it's kind of already done. Is that correct? Well, it hasn't been extended into 2021 yet. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And if it doesn't get extended into 2021, Doug, then we have to come up with a plan B. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are. But you're right. We, it certainly gives us a timetable for moving forward and having to uh, produce a product by the um, – legislative seminar mid-year meetings one of my uh, one of my concerns is based on what i've seen in other parts of the country with some of the orders that have been put through is does the mayor have the authority to extend it past 2021 that would be something to research and find out because 
Uh, I know that you know there are court challenges all over the place with what some of the governors are trying to do with extending these orders and various things. Now I know in Illinois, fortunately, they've been upheld in court, but Wisconsin, I mean, the governor there can't do anything because of the way the laws work. So. That's something that we're going to have to check out too. Do, do they even have the authority to extend it past 2020? I would sure hope so, but that's mm. something definitely to look into. Yeah, and certainly, Ray, we need to be able to look at our elections. I mean, we extended the board members through last year. Now we have officers coming up this year. Uh, so this is an important situation, important issue that we need to solve. And it's really an authority issue and a process issue because we also have to have the process similar and hopefully um, as part of this group we can look at what you've done on the resolution side and what we're doing on this side and make sure that we have a process in place that is understandable and and uh, everyone agrees to all right good well thank you pat thank you for thank you, uh, for putting the work to put the committee together and thank you for uh, getting started here we we look forward to your continued progress and I know we'll see updates as we go along and uh, we'll look uh, for a, a final decision hopefully by the uh, February board meeting so thank you great Dan it'll be a fun ride all right appreciate it sir all right we'll now go back to item a which is groups io which is funny for me to have too long of any conversations associated with uh, technology issues but I just, as the ACB president, wanted to communicate out to our membership, to our board, that we are very aware of the fact that we, we since we have moved to the new platform, that we are having consistent issues with ISPs, internet service providers, and people's emails being blocked through the ACB email list. And so... Uh, we have app, uh, I've at, we've asked Eric to kind of put a team together to look at this. They've done a lot of work on it. And I would now like to kind of turn it over to Jason Castingway and Jeff Bishop to give us a little update on where we stand with uh, uh, migrating uh, to groups.io. Uh, so Jason, if you don't mind saying a few words. Thank you, Dan. Groups.io has a reputation and the server uh, configuration too. I mean, obviously, they're hosting so many groups and lists and all sorts of things that we decided it would be a great option for us to use for hosting all of our lists. Right now, the problem is that we have a server with a single address and the ISPs have become so stringent on how they are determining what is and what isn't spam that sometimes they're even looking at things like, gee, this email, these emails seem to be coming all from one IP address. Gee, that could be a problem. Or, gee, there are a lot of links in this email. This could be a problem. And you know, despite all of our efforts, uh, we even have our emails, our outbound emails validated through a third party. Uh, the ISP still notice certain things about our setup, you know, especially um, when I was consulting with Dale, he was saying, especially it's that one IP and there's no, um, he used a technical term, but there's a way you can stagger between all of these different IP addresses 
um, for a, a server so that it's not all being pinned on to one. So in short, groups.io has the capabilities to handle all of our emails. Uh, and not only that, but there are some other very interesting uh, services that go along with it that could enhance our email uh, list usage, uh, including integration with Zoom and calendars and um Gosh, you can even uh, archive some files so that people on the list can easily access them. Uh, all sorts of things. We are looking to finish the migration, uh, or at least, the, you know, the, the step we're in right now is just gathering all the information and making sure everything is ready to go. And then when we are ready, which we expect to um, have this completed by mid-December, uh, we will be flipping the switch, as it were, and all of you who are members of lists will continue to be, but you will receive an email, uh, quote-unquote, welcoming you to the list, because in the switch, uh, groups.io is automatically going to send you an email with some information um, about how to create a groups.io account that is an option, it isn't required, uh, and how to unsubscribe if you wish to unsubscribe. And you will still have options like a digest emails. If you, don't, if you don't wish to receive emails as they come, you'll have your digest options for those of you who are already using that. Are there any questions? Is there anything I've forgotten? Thank you, Jason. And, and I want to ask maybe Jeff Bishop to make a few comments as well. I know he has been working with the Board of Publications and kind of the rollout of some of our new uh, email lists, which we'll hear about during the Public uh, Awareness uh, Committee report. But there's some timing here, if I understand correctly, that Correct. you can't just move like one list at a time. It's a it's a it's it's an all or nothing type of move. So we're really working right to communicate and coordinate this, Jeff. So I'll, I'll let you say a few words. Sure. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Um, well, the first thing we want to point out is that we will be only moving lists where there has been activity in the last three years. So if you have a list that has not had any activity on it, and you wish it to have activity, <laughs> uh, or you want it to be moved, or if you see, feel it's still of value to you, then you need to make it active. Um, if it's not active, it will not be considered. And it will be three years from the date that we start the process, which is probably gonna be tentatively we haven't really set the date, but you, you, you could probably consider December 1st as being a pretty good start date for us to start get, gathering the data. We have uh, well over 100 lists to move. It's a pretty manual process. Uh, so what you will notice is that once we do start that process, uh, once the list has been archived, we will not go back and repull the list data. So for historical reasons, if, you, if we say took ACB uh, or like the leadership list, which is going to change, but let's just use it as, as an example. 
Uh, we pull it on December 1st. If there's activity on December 2nd through whenever we cut over, that data will not be on groups.io. Um, the domain itself, acblist.org, will not change. So really, there should not be that much of a difference from, from everyone accessing the email lists. We're, right, there the, will be a number of Jeff, community... Right. What I hear you saying, what I hear you saying, from the end user standpoint, it should be very trans, very transparent. Correct. Very yeah. transparent. Mm -hmm. uh, we we will have uh, community events for both members and moderators, uh, so that we can get you all trained on how to manage your groups.io activity and lists, uh, and being able to utilize the capabilities of those lists. I do want to point out that this actually, this problem has been around even before we did the cutover. This has been going yes. on for years. Yes. ISPs have been doing this for a very, very, very long time. It's elevated now because of the amount of activity that's been happening online with all of our community events and all of the traffic on our email lists. So we're seeing it more, but it's been happening for five years or more. So this isn't a new problem. We're just solving it. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. Any, any questions for either Jason or Jeff? Yes. Dan. Is that Jim? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. I, I, just, I just wanted to make a very quick comment that from the perspective of another significant list that I'm on um, that has not had a significant increase or change, the same things are going on and significant changes are having to be undertaken. So apparently there's widespread um, activity going on. And I just wanted you all to know that it wasn't just ACB that was experiencing this. No, no, this is a, uh, no, this is a systemic problem across the internet, Jim. Thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and we realize how important this is because the lifeblood of our organization are our list serves. I mean, you know, think about it. Every yep. committee has a list. Uh, we have uh, some of our conversational lists, our announced lists. I mean, it just goes on and on. So uh, we want to thank Jason and Jeff uh, for all their hard efforts here. And I think our goal is by the time we get to January, we're all we're all on groups.io. We better be done by then. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Question yeah. for Jason and or, and or Jeff, um, and that is um, coming from a list administrator. Illinois has several lists on the ACB lists uh, side of things. Um, is there going to be some training? Will that will, the, will that be part of the community event that there be some training so that that's uh, correct? Okay. And as long as your lists are active, in the past three years they'll get moved. If you okay. have a list that has not seen activity, it will not. Yep, I gotta. I, I think what we're gonna do is go through and just check those, double check those lists, and see just which ones we really still need. I think the ones we still need have been active in the last three years, but we're gonna go through okay. and check that. Yeah, Thanks. and this Thanks. is an as an old IT guy, this is an ongoing problem that we used to have this with reports that people would never want their reports to be turned off at work, even though they hadn't actually ever used their report in like three or four years. So what you finally <laughs> learn to do is just turn them off. And it's not like you can never, ever, ever get back there, but you, you have to make a decision that these are truly 
uh, the lists that are being used and the ones that should be migrated because you're spending a whole lot of money and effort maintaining things that are just not adding value. So, Amen, well, sir. Thank you, one, Jeff one, and Jason. One, yeah. One, one other thing. Um, what we will be doing uh, probably about three months after the groups.io move is we'll, we will be purging the lists off of the server, mm-hmm. uh, thus saving money on our expenses on the Azure side for storage and cutting yet again, which I'm extremely proud of, our budget numbers for IT and server-related costs. So, good. Yep. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jason. Uh, all right. Uh, item B on the president's report was to give a little update on constant contact and the accessibility there. For those of you who, you know, uh, all of us get emails through constant contact, the, you know, the header function capability is not available in constant contact, which can make it difficult for our members and friends to navigate, especially large documents like uh, the Braille forum and the e-forum. So we just, again, wanted to make sure that everybody knew that we are very, very aware of this issue and conversation and discussions continue to go on in a very positive uh, direction with constant contact. And I would like uh, Eric and perhaps Kelly to give us a little bit of update of some of the things we're kind of doing to work around uh, this header issue and constant contact, why we're trying at the same time to solve it uh, with constant contact as a valued customer. So Eric. Sure. And I, I'd invite Kelly to, to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about this. We um, over the last probably month or so have begun to um, put our, our weekly uh, newsletter uh, dots and dashes to make it available on acb.org, which then essentially enables us to um, to link to it through Constant Contact. Kelly, um, would you like to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, basically what we've been doing since you can't use headers and Constant Contact, and that can be really difficult, especially if you're navigating through or trying to navigate through a long document, um, So what we've been doing is uh, essentially with dots and dashes, I've been building a uh, separate web page. You can also, if you go to our website, you can see it on the newsfeed as well. But um, I put headers, you know, in dots and dashes. And then at the very top of the email um, that for dots and dashes that I send out to members and friends of ACB and Eric's external contacts um, is just to put a link to that so people can have access to a version of that with headers. And, um, you know, we also do this for our Braille forum as well. Um, in the Braille forum, you've got a couple different links in there to different formats. So it's just a, a small workaround until we can hopefully get this issue resolved. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, any questions, thoughts, concerns on constant contact? Just wanted to be very transparent and let everybody know that we are aware we've got an issue here. So, all right. Well, thank you all. Uh, th- that, for the most part, concludes the president's report. I just want to say real quickly, it's been an honor as your ACB president to have the opportunity, I think maybe an unprecedented opportunity, to really participate in many, many uh, of our state uh, affiliate conventions. It's been really nice that one of the real 
pluses of uh, having virtual uh, state conventions is the ability for our officers and our staff and our board to participate remotely in those events. And uh, I, I've learned a lot. It's, it's exciting to get to, to get out there and meet uh, people that don't normally come to an ACB a conference and convention and really uh, get to know these folks. And I walk away every time just extremely impressed with the quality uh, that our ACB state affiliates uh, produce for their conventions. I mean, just really, really good work. So thank you for uh, considering um, your ACB president to participate in those events. And it's really been a pleasure. So with that said, I would like a motion to approve the president's report. I so move. Ray has moved. Do I have a second? Donna seconds. Donna Brown seconds. Any discussion? All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you. Now we're going to go to item seven on the agenda, which is our report from our executive director, Eric Bridges. So, Eric. Thank you, Dan. Let's see, number one here is the advisory board meeting. So uh, last year, we had our first formal face-to-face back in the olden days. We had a face-to-face meeting uh, in October of the, I would say, newly constituted ACB advisory board. And... Uh, a lot of good stuff came from it uh, that, that some of which we, we talked about during the workshop, uh, you know, needing uh, us needing to identify a, a, a way to begin to manage uh, the organization and, and organizational structure and, and things of that nature. And we were scheduled to meet again uh, earlier this spring, and naturally that didn't happen. And uh, the advisors all had their lives turned upside down, just like we all did. So what what wound up happening was uh, in uh, June, uh, we sent out a note to the advisors uh, to to see if there would be availability in the month of October to to reconvene and have another meeting. Uh, this time it was going to be virtual. Uh, before I get into that, let me just sort of update everybody on who are, who composes the ACB advisory board. Um, and, and again, the advisory board is, is there to provide guidance and assistance to, to staff, as well as the leadership of this organization. It, it has no fiduciary responsibility. It, it will not and, and cannot direct us as an organization to, to do really anything that we don't want to do, but what, what it consists of are individuals that have subject matter expertise that uh, is very valuable to us as an organization because we either may not have that subject matter expertise, uh, we may not have it formally within the organization as a, as a full-time employee. And I'll just be honest with you all, these are, these are outside folks uh, looking at our organization. And oftentimes there's a lot that we can learn from them. 
because they're not in this day to day. They're not in the weeds. They, uh, in particular, this group is a very uh, uh, a pretty collegial group, and they are very free with their advice. <laughs> they are open and honest, which is great. So, the advisors that met in October uh, are Lee Nasahi. She is the uh, CEO of Vision Serve Alliance. Aaron Patera, the CEO of FMP Consulting. Uh, FMP worked with us in 2016, 2017 on our initial strategic plan. Matt Hanley, uh, a, uh, an attorney uh, with uh, Hanley, Farah and Anderson in Washington, DC. Matt Ader, who's the Vice President of Business Development at Vispero. Brett Humphrey, who's with Microsoft. And uh, last but not least, and the newest member of the advisory board is Bill Reeder, who is a professor at George Mason University uh, working in the area of resource development and fundraising. So these, these individuals each bring something slightly different to the, to the table. Uh, they've gotten to know one another uh, over the last year. Uh, fairly well. And uh, we got together on October 23rd uh, for about seven hours, not, not so different than this meeting today, uh, which is, by the way, an incredible amount of time for volunteers um, who have day jobs to, to give up during their work week. And uh, we do appreciate very much them taking the time to, to spend with us. In the lead up to that meeting, uh, we prepared a set of, of documents uh, to, to provide updates. And those documents are, are in the, your Dropbox folder or attached to the email that Nancy sent out. So stuff like the accomplishments document, uh, the, the financial document, the IT document um, and others are, are all there. And really wanted to be able to provide them with um, updates as to what we've been up to, um, and in particular, you know, some of the some of the stuff that we've been working on since the pandemic hit. So uh, I, I think the overall tenor of the meeting was very positive. Um, these folks, we, we I, I didn't invite these folks, and Dan didn't invite these folks to to come. Uh, be part of this advisory board just to tell us we're doing a great job. Um, we we want them to be honest. That we want them to challenge us. And I think it's it's fairly safe to say, Dan, that they they challenged uh, <laughs> they challenged us uh, throughout the course of the day um, in a very in a very collegial, fun way. But they surely they, did. They surely did. But you know, we 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 can be doing more. We can be doing things differently. Um, you know, dealing with um, our, our plans for the future, our strategic plans to, to, we shared those and they wanted us to make them more outcome-based so as to be more, frankly, more understandable and more concrete, uh, which we went ahead and did. And that's part of your document uh, uh, in your folders, which we discussed uh, during the workshop. Uh, so just a lot, um, being able to challenging us about data and being able to, to collect, uh, manage the data and also understand it 
and have an informed decision making. Um, that's an area where we've been probably our, our weakest historically as an organization. But I, I, I do I do believe we're on the right track. We have a, we have a ways to go with regard to to data collection and analysis and having it inform our, our decision making. But we're we're in a far better spot, and a lot of that is thanks to the sort of the EOS training that we are going through and having uh, the, the data be part of a, our, our, our weekly meetings that we have. So, uh, you know, it's an additional level of, of, uh, of accountability. So uh, they, were, they were very pleased to, to learn that we are, are going through, you know, this, this new uh, training to, to build in, uh, you know, structure and accountability within the, within the, the leadership team and to have it ultimately uh, flow through the rest of the organization, through the steering committees and the committees. Um, these are <clears throat> at least two, if, well, actually over half of the folks on the call um, sort of geek out on uh, organizational structure, change management, stuff like that. And frankly, those are areas of expertise that we, we really um, benefit from, from their advice and consultation uh, as we're um, continuing to, to evolve the organization. Um, these, are, these are key areas. And ACB is, frankly, we're a different animal than most nonprofits. We're, we're a membership-driven organization uh, that has a, has a dedicated staff, but also has a very active uh, volunteer leadership. And so how, how does all that fit in and how do you, how do you build a, a structure that, that seeks to not only hold the, the, the staff accountable, but have some level of accountability uh, for, for the volunteers uh, members as well. So these are all things that we're, that we're working on and, and, you know, have, um, begun to see some, I think some success, uh, you know, the, the team, uh, the leadership team, uh, was present, uh, and the leadership team consists of, uh, Dan Spoon, myself, Clark Rackville, Tony Stevens, Nancy Becker, Cindy Hollis, uh, Kelly Gask was there participating and taking about eight pages of notes, I believe, Kelly. <laughs> it, was a, it was a significant, uh, very verbose group, which is Yes, good. definitely. Yeah. Full, full eight pages, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and Kim is also part of the, the leadership team, but she was unable to attend. So um, we, we decided that uh, and it was a mutual decision that it would be good for us to have uh, more frequent uh, contact with one another and to try to see if we could make it quarterly or if not quarterly, three times uh, in, in 2021. So uh, that's sort of the upshot. They, they offered us assistance um, in, in certain areas such as search engine optimization for our website, uh, as well as uh, you know, live streaming events uh, through multiple uh, streaming sites. Um, 
and and some other things. So we are in the process of following up with the advisors on what they had agreed to to help us with, and uh, that's really you know that's really about it. We appreciate, <clears throat> pardon me, we really appreciate their their time and their uh, the talents that they that they bring to the table, and we look forward to taking you know even better advantage of that in the coming year. Any questions? All right. Uh, second thing, uh, IT. Oh, don't I love information technology? I love it when it works. <laughs> uh, and, you know, earlier this year, uh, you know, I updated the board on our successful migration of our digital assets to to the Azure cloud. And a lot of that has to do with the great work of, of Jeff Bishop, Jason Castingway, and our colleagues at the Louisville Web Group. Um, and uh, part of this was covered up above. Uh, our, you know, our migration to groups.io is a really, it's a very big deal. And it's, it, you know, I know that this has been a huge pain point. And, and all of us in the office know that this is a huge pain point because people call in frustrated that they're no longer receiving uh, list mails, uh, list mail. And, and, you know, and, and I know in particular, Cindy Hollis um, feels this about every day. And so we're, we're working to, to fix this. And, uh, you know, I've been meeting uh, regularly with, with Jason and Jeff to, to figure this out. And I'm, you know, as they've already stated, I think we have a, we've identified a pretty good process for uh, us migrating and having it be completed um, before Christmas. So uh, in, in addition to that, uh, we have been able to uh, offload uh, our podcasts from ACB radio into um, another site called Pinecast. And I invite actually Jason, if you'd like, or Jeff, to talk a bit more about it. But what it's done is it's lightened the load significantly on acbradio.org, um, which is gonna wind up resulting in cost savings for us um, from, uh, from an, an IT uh, standpoint with, with Azure. Um, Pinecast is not free, but it is significantly less costly. And it, I think it lends itself to um, having us be able to collect more and better data on the podcasts, what folks are listening to, um, uh, subscribing versus, uh, versus listening. Um, and so Jason, I'd, I'd invite you or Jeff to, to chime in here if you have any additional thoughts on Pinecast. Sure. Thank you, Eric. Uh, Pinecast, in short, has made the effort of creating new podcasts and um, taking, you know, as Eric was mentioning, the statistics of the ones we have much easier. Um, and it also allows us to get others on board, you know, volunteers who wish to help uh, get the podcasts up there. We, we've been able to easily um, assign them to the podcasts that they can manage and they can help upload. Um, and as Jeff uh, mentioned before, it takes the load off of our server because Pinecast uh, hosts all of the podcasts uh, themselves. So the um, 
the benefits just we continue to recognize them and and uh, discover new ones as we go and I'm really happy that we were able to make this move. Amen. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Eric. Yes, sir. I just wanted to point out a couple of things. Um, so uh, all of the uh, all of the podcasts that are in iTunes have been moved over to Pinecast. Uh, one thing that people will need to be aware of, however, uh, is that if you are subscribed to our podcasts via uh, your Victor Reader stream. The Victor Reader stream, unlike, uh, you know, a podcasting client, say on your iPhone or your Android device or even on your computer, uh, they tend to automatically upgrade you to the new location of the podcast. The stream does not do that. So if you're not getting episodes of, say, Main Menu or the Advocacy Update, you need to remove the podcast from the stream and re-add it. That will solve that problem. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. Thanks to Jason for that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Any uh, any questions on Pinecast? All right. Um, and and actually, before we leave the IT uh, uh, line item here, I I would like to. Uh, recognize uh, our our uh, advisory board member Brett Humphrey, who uh, about a year ago now worked uh, with with us uh, through Microsoft to identify a new uh, philanthropic division within Microsoft that that seeks to. Uh, assist nonprofits like us in uh, being able to take advantage of Microsoft's uh, programs and services. And so uh, it's, a, it's a group inside Microsoft called Philanthropy for Good. And so Brett helped us get connected <clears throat> as well as some other colleagues inside uh, Microsoft. And that's how we've been able to uh, migrate to Azure, which obviously it's a, you know, it's a, cloud enterprise quality, um, you know, environment that we're in, not unlike other Fortune 100 companies, um, but we're doing it at far less cost. And so Microsoft through this nonprofit for good gives, you know, uh, deep, deep discounts for nonprofits to be able to take advantage of, frankly, their, their enterprise quality programs and services. So thank you to Brett. Uh, for doing that. Eric, this is Doug. Uh, all right, moving on. Yes, Doug. Uh, sorry, before we leave Pinecast, I understand that another benefit of that is that we're starting to categorize the, the podcasts. Can anybody speak to that a little bit? For Pinecast us? itself does not categorize anything and there's no way to do it, but we have the ability once we have the ACB radio website updated to install a plugin that will allow us to grab all of our Pinecast data and categorize it. There is work uh, that we're, you know, still forming to sort of help in branding and for all of our media actually. And mm -hmm. I don't know what I don't want to go into that here, but um, you're, you're going to see lots of, 
of activity there. Pinecast does have the concept of defining a podcasting network, which we which we have done, and all of the podcasts that uh, fall under that will be included in that. And in addition, we're starting to add uh, state and special interest affiliate podcasts to our, our uh, account. So, for example, uh, Washington Council has one, uh, Pride uh, has one, uh, BPI, and, and others. So um, if, if you are a state affiliate and you feel that you would like to be able to do that or a special interest affiliate, then by all means, get in touch with us. We'll, we'll talk with you about it and see how we can help you. Excellent. Thanks. All right. Ah, this one was fun. The CVAA anniversary. Uh, so 10 years ago on October 8th, uh, there was a bill signing in the East Room of the White House for the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, CVAA. And uh, in recognition of that 10th anniversary, uh, myself and, and Clark and Kelly and uh, Tony sat down and sort of brainstormed, you know, what, what could we do to, to recognize the 10th anniversary of this um, momentous law? And, and, you know, frankly, this, this law has provided ACB with a ton of visibility because we have Number one, we advocated for it through the legislative process, but then we worked with companies that were going to be impacted by the regulatory uh, rollout of this uh, to, to make their products more accessible. Um, so companies like Comcast and, and Microsoft and Apple and Cisco and others. And so, um, you know, this is an area you know, as it pertains to user interfaces for cable boxes or, or uh, TVs, but also uh, this little thing called audio description that ACB is uh, known for uh, all over the world. Um, you know, how could we uh, recognize this anniversary, the role that we played in it um, and have a really, uh, have a cool event. So, we, uh, we put together a, a list of people that we wanted to, to be able to invite. And uh, we decided that, that this would come in some, some different forms. So we wanted to hold the main event uh, and do it through Facebook Live and, and Zoom webinar. But we also wanted to hold separately an industry panel uh, that, that had folks uh, represented that we're actually part of the uh, the negotiations for the CVAA. So um, that wound up being hosted by by Clark and moderated by Clark and uh, Susan Mazuri from AT&T, uh, uh, Larry Goldberg from uh, now Verizon Media, and Tom Lukowski with Comcast uh, all participated, which was pretty awesome. Uh, and then at the at the end, uh, it was Mark Reichert and Eric Bridges just. Uh, telling stories and being goofy. And I think Ray, you, you actually hosted that, that call at the end of the evening, but um, why don't we go to the, to the, to the beginning. Um, we were very honored to be able uh, to, 
to have Senator Ed Markey uh, join our Facebook Live event. Uh, Senator Markey was the uh, champion of the CVAA when he was in the House of Representatives and, and still is championing uh, many of our uh, technology-related uh, initiatives. Uh, but in addition to him, uh, we had Kim and Brian Charlson, who played a, a big role from a, a consumer standpoint uh, back in those days uh, in Massachusetts. And Kim, I believe, was uh, first vice president. Uh, and then Mark Reichert, um, our first vice president, but back then was my counterpart at the American Foundation for the Blind. And, and Mark and I traveled the halls of Capitol Hill for better part of three years working on this. And then Mark Baer, who served as Senator Markey's chief of staff uh, for, for many years, and Tim Powderly, who is now the head of federal government affairs for, for Apple, but was uh, senior counsel on the House Energy and Commerce Committee and helped us greatly uh, move, the, move the bill through uh, the legislative process. So we, we had all of them come and speak and then um, I, I want to acknowledge and thank Matt Ader, uh, an advisory board member, uh, for his assistance in putting uh, me in touch with uh, the representatives from uh, Stevie Wonder's uh, uh, business and getting, getting us in touch with his people. Uh, we were able to uh, have Stevie uh, do uh, about a three-minute video uh, acknowledging and celebrating uh, the, the passage, well, do the 10th anniversary of, of the CVAA. And so that was quite, uh, I would say, a, a momentous event. We kicked off the Facebook Live with his video and then moved into Senator Markey. And then we had a really nice discussion amongst the advocates and, uh, and other folks. So um, it's great. I, I think that, you know, October 8th, should be uh, something that we put on our calendar from here on out to acknowledge uh, the CVAA. Uh, a lot, you know, a lot of good has come from it. Um, obviously, we're an advocacy organization, so we are not satisfied with where we're at now, uh, nor should we be. But it, you know, it, it's one of these things where um, I think as advocates, sometimes uh, it's important for us to recognize the you know, the good that has, has come from uh, advocacy initiatives. Um, because I think uh, if we don't do that, sometimes we get stuck staring at the mountain of stuff that, that still has not been done and that, that, that gets daunting, right? So good to celebrate. It was fun. It was really well received. And then the kicker to this is that I've been, I've been talking with Apple about this event. Obviously, Tim Powderly uh, joined. And um, I shared the, the Stevie Wonder video uh, with them and, and they saw it on our Twitter feed and they got Tim Cook uh, to retweet it. Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, some, some guy that nobody knows. Um, <laughs> Tim Cook has about 12 million followers. And um, I think later Kelly can provide you as part of her update, sort of what, what those numbers of retweets and likes uh, wound up being, but it was, uh, it was tremendous. So any questions on this event? 
this is Dan. I just want to say congratulations. That was really, really well done. We can now view it on our YouTube channel and it for everybody, right? And it yep. it really uh it just shows the, you know, the the ability and cachet of, of American Council of Lyme when we put our mind to something. So thank you, thank you. Yeah. Well I, I'd like to thank Kelly and Tony and Clark uh for all their help. There was a lot of logistical uh stuff that went on in the background to make all these events uh happen and to have them have them go off without a hitch so thank you guys and a shout out to kim and and all her connections as well yep yeah uh and then other here we go with other um (laughs) so you know one of one of the things that became very apparent to us during the convention and then after the convention was the 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 power of ACB radio and the ability for folks to take advantage of the various streams of ACB radio either through through their computer through ACB link but also um, every bit as importantly through the the Alexa skills that had been created um, for our various ACB radio streams. And um, in doing sort of a, an aftermath of look at the convention and its success, it became pretty clear that we needed to, to, to get a better handle on not just radio, but look at all of the podcasts that have been generated from the, you know, from the community events, the what 108 breakouts of which many were wound up being podcasts um, at the convention, all of the general sessions. Um, there, there's just a ton of content. And what, like, what do we do with all this stuff, right? So Pine, Pinecast became an option, but then it's even it's even bigger than that. You know, the ACB radio site um, is uh, has quite a bit of legacy, um, uh, you know, software and, and stuff on it. And there, there, there's some things that need to be updated with it. Um, and then really what, what is all of this, right? So is it really radio? Is it, is it, is it audio visual? Is it, is it, is it media? Is it video? All of this stuff sort of swirled around with many of us uh, after the convention. And um, I, I asked uh, one of our advisory board members, Aaron Patera, to, to facilitate a, a discussion with the folks um, from, from the ACB radio steering committee to kind of just think about, you know, what, where are we now? Where, where do we want to be? And so in essence, it's sort of, you know, we're, we're in the beginning stages of looking at reimagining what, what ACB radio is. And, you know, I think many of us have decided that it's not necessarily radio as we know it 
or have known it. It's really media. And so um, Aaron has committed to, to doing some more work with us in the, in the ACB radio steering committee in the coming weeks to, to continue us down that path because um, it, this is an exciting area for us. We have never generated more good uh, informational and entertaining content than we are right now. So how do, we, how do we go about getting it out to the masses, making it available uh, in, in different forms? And how do, we, how do we communicate that to folks? Um, and where, where do we want this ultimately to go? Is it just podcasts? Is it video? Is it, is it live streaming? Uh, is it, you know, uh, the traditional uh, radio one hour block format of live content? Or could it be everything? Um, if it's everything, how do, we, how do we manage that? And how do we do a good job of ensuring that people can, can access all this stuff in a multitude of ways and in a multitude of ways that is understandable uh, to the consumer? So this is sort of where we're at right now. Um, it's maybe a little bit messy right now, but it, it, it's, um, I, I think it's exciting, ultimately. It, it shows um, a national, uh, I think a natural evolution that, that we're uh, undertaking um, that some of it I think was probably forced a little bit by the pandemic and by the virtue of us needing to do things naturally, virtually. But it's, it's allowed us to, to collect all this content, um, very good, rich content. So, and, and to go along with that, um, I'd, I'd like to recognize here for uh, just a few minutes, uh, Debbie Hazelton, ACB's um, managing director, ACB Radio's managing director to just provide a, an update on sort of uh, some of the content and, and what's going on with ACB Radio today. Debbie. Well, thank you. Thank you, Eric, and good morning, everyone. So in this rebranding, this has not become, this, this phrase has not become official, but I like to think of ACB radio as bringing the pulse of ACB and the heart of community. Because when I think of the pulse of ACB, I think of Clark and Claire, who have been routinely providing programming in addition to advocacy update. And um, that's, you know, I would like to get that over on mainstream and I have an idea, but we'll see. Um, but in addition, we've been doing our best to make sure that what is happening on other social networks, other social platforms is on ACB radio. So the other day there was a YouTube video made, uh, Tony Stevens produced, Anthony Corona was the MC. It was on YouTube live, uh, or Kelly also was the, the productionist uh, producer of making sure that the video was there and, and all kinds of other things behind the scenes, but it was on diabetes. And I've been really wanting to get more about diabetes on ACB radio. So this was also on ACB radio live event. And I believe there will be more to come with that. Conventions, as we all know, many virtual conventions. Uh, we started taking the role of coordinating conventions 
with Florida. That was our first, even before national, so that we could know what we needed to do. And thank God I had the presence of mind thought to get coordinators and teams to handle all these conventions, because there's no way that one or two people could do this ourselves. So I'm so thrilled with the teams and the coordinators. And I would like to recognize uh, Rick Morin and uh, Tyson Ernst and um, Katie and Jeff and Deb Lewis as all coordinating a number. I think we've had, um, I think it's 11 conventions just since national with two more to come next weekend. Um, also auctions, we have one every week um, to be in the next few weeks to be uh, for the grand climax of our holiday auction on the 29th, thanks to Leslie Spoon, uh, that holiday auction to raise money for ACB radio. And thank you, thank you. It's always very exciting. Um, we are also finding a lot of new talent as we work with all of these affiliates and the coordinators, coordinators, we're finding a lot of new talent. And that new talent is certainly, as Eric's mentioning, it's coming in by the way of community calls. It's an easier way than ever to do a show, to start a show, to start to get your feet in the water and see if something might become a show. But it's also coming in in the way that some of these people are working with their affiliates and showing organizational skill and professional talent that we think might lend itself to helping us with national. Um, and so, so that's exciting. So the auctions, the, um, so we, we know that with the conventions that um, it's a difference to be in person versus being virtual. So we've learned a lot and we know that um, in addition to Cindy's excellent training, that we're gonna wanna do some more training with hosters uh, and with streamers so that we can get a more consistent process going forward with what is, needs to be out there on the stream with streamers and hosters. Um, so some training workshops, and I think that these will give our affiliates and our broadcasters and our members all more support going forward uh, so, that, so that everyone feels to be even more a part of ACB. That's what we want our broadcasters to feel for sure. So we are, we are moving away from some of the programming out there that is not directly ours, that does not um, exactly exemplify the direction of ACB or the mission or the sense of ACB. So we're cutting back or cutting out some of those programs that are not ours to make room for more of the community calls to become a part of mainstream. And one of those has already begun. That's Terry Pacheco's Visibilities, which has uh, really been quite popular. We're so um, aware already of Tuesday topics that did become a part of mainstream and is and became a two-hour show and is getting a large number of listeners and subscribers on the podcast. One of the things I'd like to see is us to have a way to carry some of the podcasts that may not become radio shows, but that we want to still keep our listeners in a variety of ways in the loop. So 
um, we'll see about a way to do that as well. But this rebranding is very exciting. I'm thankful for working with Cindy and um, all of the, what we're doing with the community calls and the whole um, steering committee. Thanks to all of you. And um, if I left out anything, I hope I didn't. But as, I, as we would say in Radio Land, stay tuned. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Yes. Thank you, Debbie. Awesome. And then uh, one final thing for me, uh, I, I'd like to acknowledge uh, Vespero. Um, we received uh, $10,000 from Vespero for uh, capital improvements and uh, was not, uh, it was not expected. Uh, Vespero uh, this year has provided us with more sponsorship and direct assistance um, than I believe in any other year uh, of the relationship between our two organizations. And I'd just like to acknowledge um, their outreach and, and assistance. And it goes beyond just the financial. Um, they've uh, assisted staff uh, with regard to uh, documents and other other day-to-day -day operational type uh, challenges. So thank you to Vespero. And with that, uh, Mr. President, uh, unless there's any other questions, I can hand it back to you. All right, thank you, Eric. Uh, wonderful report. And I want to uh, uh, kind of reiterate what Eric has shared, what, what we've learned from our advisory board, uh, the, the number one action to do coming out of our advisory board was you all really need to strongly consider the communications coordinator resource. And I think with what you've heard today with, uh, you know, the rebranding of ACB, uh, you know, the media radio network, uh, as well as membership growth, development growth, and overall getting our brand and awareness out there, um, you just kind of see where all this, uh, where all this is headed. So thanks to Debbie, Jeff, Jason, Eric, all your wonderful reports. And uh, I'd like to have a motion to approve the executive director's report. This is David. I move that we uh, accept the reports. And once you get a second, I also have a comment. Okay. Thank you, David. Uh, David has made the motion. Do I have a second? Donna seconds. Donna Brown seconds. All right. We'll now open it up for discussion. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Trot. I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of times when you hear these reports, they just flash on by. But one great thing come out of the coronavirus, if nothing else, we have more involvement from our members than ever before. And it's thanks to the information and the things that they've done that come out of these reports this morning. And I say thank you guys for a great job in moving ACB forward. Here, here. I agree, David. I've never seen so many members empowered and really having a seat at the table and, and really, you know, they're part of the, the presentation, part of the solution. It's just been absolutely fantastic. Uh, any other comments? All right, hearing none, uh, all those in favor of approving the executive director's report signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
All right, we're going to do one more action item and then take a break. So item number, or I said agenda item, not action item. Uh, Agenda item number eight is we have some uh, logistics work to do for some of our board representatives that need to be assigned to committees per our constitution. Uh, So those are first, we have our budget committee. Uh, three representatives from this board are, are uh, asked each year to participate on the budget committee. Right now, your current representatives are David Trott, treasurer, Kim Charlson, immediate past president, and Pat Sheehan, board member, are, are who are on the budget committee right now. Do I have any nominations from the floor? They're all doing a great job, by the way, just to Mr. throw that President, out there. Uh, Mr. Yes, President, Ray. assuming that they would all like to continue to serve, uh, I would uh, like to make a motion that they all be reelected uh, by acclamation. Second. All right. So Ray has made the motion. Jeff has seconded. I should first ask uh, David, Kim, and Pat, are you comfortable with serving for another term? Sure, we would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> David, speak for everybody. Yeah. Or we would. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Pat may be off doing his thing real quick. That's so right. we, we're, we're catching him at a good time. So, all right. We'll give him twice as much work as us, huh, David? That's right. All right. Uh, any, any discussion? Hearing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you so much. Next, uh, our constitution requires that the board of directors uh, select a chair of the public relations committee. That has been Katie Frederick for the last few years. So, uh, I, Katie, are you interested in serving for another term? We may have her on mute. Are you muted, Katie? I think she is. <laughs> then she has to serve them. Sure she is. is. And that's right. <laughs> I've talked to her ahead of time. I think she's comfortable with it. I don't know if she's... Uh, well, given, given the fact that you had a conversation, I will move that we uh, elect uh, Katie Frederick as chair of the Public Relations Committee. Second. Second, that's David. All yeah. right. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you. I will make an editorial comment that we are going to have to see how public relations kind of feeds in with kind of our new structure. So we, Katie and I have had some of these discussions that there, there is a little redundancy going on here between public relations and public awareness steering committee. So that, not to dissolve today, but I just wanted to throw that out there so you could, you know, it could rattle around in your brains for a little while. Yes. Dan, yes, she David. is on both though, correct? She is most certainly. Okay, that, yeah, yeah, she she's sense. our member lead on on the public awareness committee because she is our chair of uh, public relations. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, next is we need a board representative on the credentials committee. That has been Pat Sheehan uh, for the last year or two year, I guess, since uh, since we had a new. Um, uh, new officer put in place. So um, well, any Dan, nominations? I would, yeah. I would move that we yeah, uh, reelect Pat Sheehan to the position on the credentials committee. Thank you, Kim. Do Donna I seconds. Second? Donna Brown seconds. It's been a few weeks. Any discussion? 
Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Okay, see, so it is right now. 1236. Would everybody be okay since it's kind of, uh, it's either lunch or late breakfast hour, depending on where everybody is. Would everybody be comfortable for us to take a break until one o'clock Eastern if everybody promised to be back promptly at one? Yes. Is that good with everybody? This is kind of a good good. stopping point, I think. So we will take a break and come back and pick up the agenda with uh, David Trott's uh, narrative on our uh, financial position for the first nine months of this year. That'll give David a little time to get his documents pulled up and feel comfortable. So uh, we'll take a break and be back at one o'clock Eastern, (laughs) 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. I hope hopefully everyone had a uh, good break and got a bite to eat and refreshed a little bit. It is now one o'clock Eastern, ten o'clock Pacific, and we will continue on with our ACB Board of Directors meeting. And again, welcome to everybody listening on ACB Radio Mainstream from around the country and the world. We we welcome you to our transparent ACB Board of Directors meeting. So, so I have a question. Yes, Ray. So Nancy, what time are they coming into service lunch? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, to, ju- I'm just going to say, Ray, you missed lunch because we already served it and took it away. <laughs> <laughs> you must have slept through it, Ray. Yes. I must have. <laughs> We've, we also have had dessert already, so I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. And um, we'll now continue uh, with item nine on our agenda, which is really uh, our Treasurer David Trott to review with us our financial narrative through the first nine months of 2020 uh, with our financial results. So, uh, David Trott, uh, ACB Treasurer, take it away. Oh, David has left the building. Oh, David's, David's, oh, no, he hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This year continues to be an economically challenging time for ACB. Because of what? The coronavirus. ACB's overall loss year to date is $364,854. I'm sorry, $55. Compared to a budgeted loss of $38,330. This is excellent work, guys. Over, uh, operations. The operations deficit from operations through September was $537,019 compared to a budgeted deficit of $257,218. While the operating loss is higher, the budgeted uh, the budget should consider how ACB's done a great job of meeting or exceeding our budget goals in many areas during this challenging time. Revenue from operations year to date, $824,906 compared to a budget budget of $1,113,913. Individual and affiliate donations continue to remain high with people's support ACB during this step, uh, I'm sorry, 
difficult time. I start to say deficit time. ACB's fundraising activities was $175,790, which is exceeding the budget by an amount of $20,700. Thank you to everyone who supported ACB through the auction, the walk, and mini mall. I left off something here, folks. Um, and when Nancy and I reviewed it, I still forgot it. Uh, also, we had the largest raffle we've ever had, raised over $23,000. So it's, it's not here in this land, and it should have been. Revenue from thrift stores has been challenging. The temporary closing of the thrift stores earlier this year and the drop in sales have impacted uh, the contributions to the ACB store. The ACB contributions were $66,400 to ACB, which was about $237,600 below budget. The number of customer, uh, you have to excuse me, I'm having to move on a computer screen and it's somewhat nerve wracking. Uh, the number of customers purchasing merchandise has decreased overall from last year, but they are purchasing more when, you know, when they're shopping. Operating expenses are below budget with actual operating expenses at $1,361,925,000 compared to a budgeted amount of $1,371,181. Overall office expenses are higher this year than last. Part of this increase is because the uh, resource development contract position was converted to a staff position. There was also a decrease in professional fees section with the elimination of the contract position. ACB added software that wasn't originally included in the 2020 budget. This software has helped ACB operate more efficiently. Legal fees are higher than budgeted. This increase from negotiations of a settlement agreement in a trust fund, which we were a beneficiary. We were able to successfully cancel the hotel contract for the convention without a penalty and we pro produced a code of conduct that was approved at the February 2020 board meeting. The revenue in the vehicle donation program and mini mall were higher than budgeted, which also increased the expense side of the financial statement. Travel decreased after the first quarter because of the coronavirus. The result 
is substantial, resulted in a substantial savings in travel expenses. Investments, unrealized investment loss uh, was a total of $44,800 where we budgeted uh, year to date was zero. While the unrealized investment losses are $44,800, the investments have uh, recovered significantly from May where they were unrealized lost of $237,400. Overall dividend income from investments remains strong. On the convention side, the convention profit for the year was $216,965 compared to a budgeted amount of $218,888. ACB's convention was held virtually this year. The convention continued uh, continued to attract those who have attended many conventions before, but also drew many individuals who had never been to a convention. From the operating general sessions to the exhibit hall and those leading up to the banquet. At the close of the convention, many people were able to attend live sessions, listen to them on ACB radio later when they had the time. The convention was successful because those who attended the convention made financial contributions and donated their treasure of time throughout the whole convention. We are looking forward to an even more successful virtual convention in 2021. Thank you for your patience. And that's my report. Any questions? All right. Any any questions for David? Yeah, this is Jeff. Yes, Jeff. Um, David, um, if and it should be a routine matter, it's just a question of time. If the um, loan uh, forgiveness comes through, what do you estimate will be the ultimate uh, deficit or or, you know, <clears throat> for the year? Well, if, go ahead, Nate. You want to me answer that? Okay. So we are looking at applying for the loan forgiveness at the beginning of 2021 instead of 2020 because we have some um, things in play that we anticipate on getting some money before the end of the year, and we do anticipate that we will have a small net loss or a small net profit for 2020. By the time everything sure. nets out, yeah. Yes. So will we uh, produce, will we have that in the 2021 budget line or how will that be uh, shown, how will it be indicated? So the, the PPP loan that would be converted to um, revenue for us will be a revenue line in ACBS and there will also be a revenue line in ACB. 
and it's reflected in the 2021 budget, which you all will see fairly soon, right? Our budget meeting is the 23rd, so that'll come out next week, those documents for you to review. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Uh, Nancy, this is, uh, and David, this is as of September, right? So we've seen kind of the market rate rise here over the last, uh, you know, five or six weeks. So that that's not reflected in these numbers, right? This is, this is the market as it stood at the end of September. Correct. Okay. Okay. Cause there's been some pretty appreciable increases here the last few weeks. Yeah. yeah the, the market has gone up and down, but we, I like to keep, if we're talking about September's financials, I like to keep it where we're, we're only looking at September financials, not reading ahead to what we are doing in October or November. Okay. And we will be meeting with the investment group. Uh, I this think week. it's next week. Yeah. It's coming week. Okay. Very good. All right. Thank you. Any other questions for David? It's such a roller coaster year. I, I really appreciate your all's efforts in this area. And I'd like to have a motion to approve the financial narrative from our treasurer, David Trott. I so move. This is Kim. Kim has moved. I'd like to second it, Michael Talley. And Michael Talley has second. And any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you, David. Greatly appreciated. And, uh, you know, David, as you and I have talked, there was a time when we were in March and April, we were worried that we could be in a million-dollar deficit position with this organization. And I, I just cannot thank our members, our board, our staff enough for, for prompt action and applying for the PPP grant, the hard work that everybody took put in place to really take what could have been a lemon with our convention and turning it, it to lemonade, as Janet says. And I think it's remarkable that we ended up basically meeting our our set goal and objective for the convention this year, uh, given the hard time of, uh, you know, reduced convention sponsorships and those type of things. And also want to give a shout out to um, <clears throat> to Nancy Marks Becker and her ACB thrift store folks, just uh, amazing work to kind of navigate those troubled waters and to that in this environment, in this retail environment, for us to see that we are going to have a positive contribution to income this year from the thrift stores is just a really amazing and great job. So thanks to everybody. Really, also, really appreciate it. Also, Dan, you know, mm. Tony came on board. Uh, yep. He probably earned his salary within a week of coming on board with his work on the PPP. Yeah, and, welcome aboard. Now go to work today, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's so, right. And Tony uh, did a fantastic know, we, we job. We did say he cost us money <laughs> in the report. We'd be remiss to say if he didn't earn it. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So thank you all very much. Uh, and then next is item uh, 10 on the agenda. Uh, Nancy Marks Becker, our chief financial officer, is going to share with us where we stand with our legacy endowment fund and a proposal for a drawdown for, for 2021. So, Nancy? Okay. So, just a reminder, in July of 2019, the board approved a legacy spending policy for budgeting purposes. And the policy that we approved was a percentage of the portfolio with smoothing terms and corpus restrictions. 
So the amount allocated for budgeting purposes is based on the portfolio's value at the end of each quarter over three or five years. Since this fund was started in 2018, there are only eight quarters to base the average value of the fund. And the average value of the fund over these eight quarters is $1,110,000. I would recommend approving the $44,400 or a 4% withdrawal from the legacy fund for 2021 operating purposes. So right now, our rate of return year-to-date in the legacy fund is a little bit above 4%, and by taking out less than 4%, our fund would continue to grow. So one way to look at this or think about this is if you had a savings account and you earned $100 in that savings account this year and you only withdrew 90, you would still have more money in the fund than what you originally started with. So that's sort of what we're trying to do is keep more money in the fund than we earn so that it continues to grow over the years. And hopefully that our withdrawal amount each year will continue to grow and help us with our operating expenses. Uh, Nancy, this is David. Uh, yes. You and I had talked about this earlier this week. And uh, this, is, this is a way to continue it to grow, folks, because... Another thing we need to look at, and let me make the motion first, I guess. I will move that we draw down the 44000 or 4%, and then, Dan, after we get a second, I have another comment. Thank you, David. Denise, I second. uh, Denise, I love you to death, but I heard Katie's voice voice first this time. (laughs) We'll get you next time. So Katie Frederick seconded. All right, we are now ready for discussion. So, David. Okay, one, one of the things that we need to look at, too, is that we are drawing down on our board reserve. And when we passed this uh, plan, we also passed the way that we would fund from uh, benefit when we were ben- the beneficiary of bequest. So we won't be putting as much into this fund as we would because we're going to have to play catch up on the uh, board reserve, which is uh, for those of you out there that are listening that are not familiar with what the board reserve is, that is the way we run ACB from day to day and pay the expenses of it. We pay out of that fund. And in our policy, David, if I'm not uh, mistaken, calls that we should uh, always strive to maintain one year of operating expenses in our board reserve fund before we go with the 75-25 split to the legacy endowment fund. Uh, Yeah, that's right right now. Now, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the exact timeline. We've got another year, maybe two, before we had to pull it up and start moving it to two years. Yeah, it's just at one one year's worth at this point in time, yeah, and, then, point, and, then, yeah. and then it will yeah. grow over time. Obviously, with those twenty five percent donations. So, right. Okay. Uh, any any other discussion about the drawdown of the forty four thousand plus? So, Dan, can yes. I can I put uh, something in here quick? Uh, sure. You quick to you, Nancy, and then Jim had okay. a question. So go so ahead. The- So the money that we're drawing out of this fund does not affect any revenues or expenses. It's just moving our money from one asset category to another asset category. So it's not going to affect our expenses or our revenues. It's a balance sheet item from, from assets, from, from investment assets to cash. Okay. And Jim, you had a question. 
or comment? Um, <clears throat> it's actually a comment. Um, I guess I feel a little bit blindsided or like this is putting the cart before the horse. It seems to me that we have a budget to consider, and at that point is when we would know whether and to what extent this money should be moved. There's no justification that's been presented to move this 4%. Um uh, from what I hear, and therefore it, it just, I'm not opposed to the idea or the concept, but I am opposed to the timing. Thank you. Uh, we wouldn't actually move it right now. It, it's, it's part of the, but it, it's, it's part of the procedure that we set in place, Jim, when we adopted this. And it actually, in my mind, uh, you're, you may be thinking different. In my mind, we need the approval before we can approve the budget. Yeah, this, in the policy, it was put in that it, this would be voted on each year at the fall board meeting. And this has to be part of the budget, correct? This has yeah, to be, although it's, yeah, it's yeah. really it a – it, Although, again, as Nancy said, it's not a revenue or an expense item. It's a, it's a moving an asset to cash item. So it doesn't impact the budget. Uh, it only impacts our cash flow. If yes. you're telling me that it's in the policy manual that this has to be done at this board meeting, then I withdraw my objection. Right. And and thank you, Jim. And, and really what this is about is you all approved at the last board meeting the authorization for Nancy to do a drawdown from the board reserve. So again, what this will do is make this cash available out of the legacy endowment fund and will reduce her need to do any additional cash drawdowns from the board reserve if, if they are warranted. Right now, they're not. But if that helps to clarify any. All right. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for the comments. Uh, any other discussion? All right. Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy and David. Nancy, did you have anything else you wanted to share with us? I think if you whispered in my ear the other day that you would like to at least share where we stand with our investments. Are you going to do that during your steering committee report, or would you like to do that now? Steering committee report would be steering, good. Steering committee report. Yeah, Thank so, you. So, so, so understood. I, I have an answer, I have a question though, Nancy. Um, I don't know. Maybe you were going to cover this in that report as well, or somewhere along the line. But uh, are we are we anticipating any changes in the membership certification uh, system and process this year? Uh, as we uh, we're getting ready to begin that, so just wondering. I I am not anticipating in any changes right now we are talking about potentially doing some changes but that would um have to go before the, i think the membership before we do any kind of changes um but i'm trying to do a little bit of tweaking to make it easier for the person who is doing the who's managing the membership amms would so be membership management system right. and um and i'll just say that um, i'm happy to be one of your train your screen reader trainers again this year if you need someone Thank you. Yep. 
and Ray, since you did bring it up, I will say the only thing is I know Tony and, and Nancy are doing a little bit of work with the Multicultural Affairs Committee to add a couple additional fields uh, to the to the system where we can start uh, tracking and collecting information like uh, ethnicity uh, as and maybe cause of blindness. So those were at least two things that I had heard. So okay. So some demographic information that we, yep. we continue to be asked for in our grant proposals and all kinds of membership mm-hmm. requests. And we really do not have a good understanding right now of, of what makes up our membership, yep. you know, on some of those areas and breakdowns in some of those areas. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Anything else for Nancy? All Thank right. you. Thank, Thank you. you, Nancy. Thank you, Thank Nancy. You. Thank you, David. Uh, next, we'll go to item 11 on the agenda, which is a report out from the resolutions uh, ad hoc committee. And uh, Ray, I'll turn it over to you and your cohort, Mark. So okay. take it away. Okay. Uh, Mark, you want me to start? or? Uh... Okay, I guess I will. <laughs> All right. Well, good, good, good morning. Every- well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, uh, it was, it's been a pleasure uh, for me to chair the resolutions ad hoc committee over these past few months. Um, as you'll all remember, let me just, uh, for those maybe listening that aren't familiar with what we're talking about. So back in 2019, at the, the good old days when we could actually meet in person, um, during the Rochester Convention, we had a resolution come forward that asked us to take a look at the resolutions process. I think it was more focused on you know how resolutions get reported out <laughs> and, and and you know what happens to resolutions after they're passed that sort of thing that was referred to the board and um and what we did then was we decided to uh uh take a look at the entire resolutions process um to try and make it more uh, you know, easier for members and encourage more members to 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 uh, participate in this important part of ACB's work. Um, I submitted a document uh, to all of you in the Dropbox that uh, kind of goes over what we did. So uh, at the August 27th board meeting, um, Deanna appointed uh, announced the appointment of the ad hoc task force. I just like to announce the members of the team. Uh, we had myself and uh, Mark Reichert as my co-chair. Uh, and along with Gabe Griffith and Joel Noble, who are the current Resolutions Committee co-chairs, Jeff Tom, Clark Rockfall, Claire Stanley, um, Dan Spoon and Eric Bridges were involved in our calls, um, as well as uh, Regina Brink, who is president of the Capital Area Chapter of the California Council of the Blind, uh, Maria Kristich from New York, um, Gabriel lopez Cafati from uh, BPI, president of BPI, and um, um, I, I know, I think I'm forgetting someone, but um, that's what happens when you start naming people, but if I did do that, I... I, I, I believe Kenneth Simeon. Ken, oh my God, oh my gosh, Kenneth Simeon, how could I forget Kenneth from Texas, <laughs> of course, um, and uh, you know, by the way, you know, Kenneth, I was just actually thinking about him, he sent me a comment the other day, I shared a copy of what I uh, shared with the board, uh, with the team, and Kenneth was like, this is great work. Well, Kenneth, this is all of our work put together. So uh, <clears throat> I can assure you that uh, our calls were, were great. They 
we had uh, great participation. People were definitely not shy about sharing their thoughts and opinions, and that just made for a great work product. Okay, so our discussions really kind of broke down into three areas around resolutions. We, we first talked about, the first area was, um, you know, can we, how can we go about trying to get resolutions in ahead of time? And that, you know, provides a lot of benefits uh, in a number of ways. We can start working on the resolutions a little bit sooner. Um, we can actually make hard copies of them or you know, online copies available for folks that would like to uh, read them. Uh, we can maybe even have the habits of the resolutions. Folks don't have to stay up till two o'clock in the morning uh, doing, doing this, this work, uh, at least some of the time during our in-person conventions. And um, so we, you know, we looked and then there were a number of things. So what we uh, settled on was that we were, we're going to ask that resolutions uh, be submitted um, not less than 45 days prior to the first day, the, the, uh, the day of the opening session for the annual conference and convention. In our document, you'll notice there, is, there are two bylaw amendments that we need to submit uh, to the Constitution and Bylaws Committee uh, to uh, make all this happen. So right now we can't force people to submit them 45 days ahead of time, but we are going to strongly encourage it for 2021. <clears throat> and um, now we all, we all understand that there are issues that come up uh, you know, closer to convention that we may need to uh, adopt resolutions on. And so we have put in a, a a proviso that uh, the committee will have discretion and will use very, you know, we'll have discretion and we'll work with authors if there is something that needs to get submitted uh, within the 40, you know, in, in less than the 45 day period. So you'll still be able to do that if there are issues that do come up that we need to uh, take care of uh, resolutions on. Um, we have uh, the second bylaw amendment that we did slightly changes the clause that says that all resolutions that are submitted um, have to will, will need to come to the floor with or without recommendation. It still preserves it, but the only thing we added was that it's either going to be 45 days ahead of time or resolutions that uh, that are brought before the committee and uh, approved. Uh, or you know, brought forward within that less than 45 day period that those will, you know, whatever, res if, re if resolutions come before the committee and the committee takes them, uh, they're gonna come to the floor. So we wanted to preserve that. We know that's very important to our membership and uh, we, we know we'd get some howls if we didn't do that. Uh, that was a concern by the way that came up from our community event. Uh, you know, we, we need to make sure we did that. Um, the other thing that came up from our community event that we did, uh, in regard to this particular issue was that, um, you know, that the committee, you know, really should, uh, will work closely with authors to make sure that um, resolutions um, that need to come in, you know, within, you know, in, in, you know bef before convention, but not 45 days ahead, you know, that those less than 45 days, those will, uh, you know, we'll work with authors to make sure that, uh, you know, we get that you know, we, you know, the, the, the clearly is something that needs to uh, come forward. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to do that. Um, the other thing that um, we uh, feel that the, a lot, having resolutions, uh, two things. 
One, that the deadline for resolutions is going to be communicated in all of ACB's communication channels. And we're asking that that be done not less than 90 days prior to the day of the opening session of the annual convention. So if you were to look at the upcoming convention in 2021, the, the, the information will be uh, communicated out <clears throat> by April 27th with the resolutions uh, deadline being June 10th. Um, so as you can see, it's only a month and a half ahead. So we're, we're gonna know a lot of things that we need to make res do resolutions on. Um, the other thing that um, this does too, it gives the committee a chance to really work with people. We know that not everybody knows how to write, <clears throat> you know, resolutions, resolution ease, so to speak. So we're gonna help you and uh, we're gonna make ourselves available as a resolutions committee to, to do that. Okay, so that's the ahead of time. Um, and uh, the second area that we came into was presentation of resolutions during, during the convention. We felt very strongly that uh, we need to, as part of planning the general sessions, that we need to make sure that there is a spot for resolutions. There are spots for resolutions early throughout the entire week of convention during the business portions of our uh, general sessions. Um, we've all seen the, uh, what happens as the last day of convention, we're doing resolutions and you've got maybe a handful of people in the room making very important decisions um, about resolutions. And these are policy statements of the organization as we all know. And uh, <clears throat> let me just take a sip of pop here. And yes, it is pop. <laughs> um, so, um, we want to do that, but there's more to presenting resolutions than that that we talked about. One of the things that it was going to help us if we are able to make resolutions available ahead of time for folks to read is that they'll have a chance to read them over and truly understand the resolutions and what they're voting on. But um, so what we felt that we wanted to do is that, you know, sometimes we have resolutions with a lot of important background information, but um, I'm sure even those of us who are totally blind, as those things are being read, you can hear the eyes rolling and uh, everything. What we're going to do is we're going to strongly encourage that for those types of resolutions that the resolve clauses be read. We feel that's very important because we're asking ACB uh, to, to, do, to do something. Um, and if people want to get more background, um, if it's something that really has a lot uh, to it, we're gonna have, a, have the resolutions chair, you know, give a summary of the resolution and kind of what it's, uh, you know, what it's, what it's based on and that sort of thing. Um, and if people wanna you know, read it on their own, they certainly can do that. Um, or if there's, uh, uh, if there are questions that come up, we can certainly read clauses and that sort of thing. We think that'll shorten down the presentation process, but still get the important uh, information out to folks. And then the third area is in the area of resolutions prioritization. We've had a prioritization process for a long time, but it really wasn't well defined as to what is a one, what's a two, what's a three. As you'll remember this past summer, when the initial rankings for resolutions came out, they almost all were twos. So uh, what we're going to do, what we're gonna recommend is that the staff of ACB, the ACB staff are on the ground. They know um, what 
types of things can be done fairly quickly versus things that are going to take a lot of research and a lot of extra effort. Uh, for example, uh, a white paper uh, from a committee might need to be drafted or something like that. That's going to take some time uh, versus drafting a letter to an organization congratulating them on a significant anniversary or something like that. That's something that could be done fairly quickly. Our staff is in a good position to know uh, what needs to be done. So we're gonna kind of leave it up to them. However, if we as a membership feel strongly that something needs to be done within uh, a certain time period or that we'd like to see it done, uh, you know, in a given, quickly or whatever, then we can certainly within the resolve clauses, we can direct that that happen. So uh, that will, and if that's voted through, then that certainly is going to be the, um, the direction of the membership. Um, so we, we think that that will uh, help us be able to uh, um, handle the resolutions priority. Um, a couple more things I'd mention. Um, one of the things that's came out of the initial resolution in 2019 was about reporting. Um, we feel that um, what we what we want to see happen is the resolutions committee chair work with staff to prepare a report for each board meeting. And I know Clark's been pretty good about this anyway, to prepare a report for each board meeting on the status of resolutions uh, as you know the, the work that's going on on them. We might even be able to put something up on the website that you can track resolutions to see what is happening with them. And of course, uh, we want to have uh, reporting out at each convention uh, so that um, uh, people can understand, hey, the, what, this, these resolutions we voted on last year, what's happened with them? Have they been implemented? What's the status on them? That sort of thing. Being a little bit more uh, transparent. And the second thing that we want to do is that we uh, talked about in the committee was that the, you know, not all resolutions have to wait till the annual convention, national conference of convention. There is a provision in bylaw five that says that the board, if the board strongly feels that there are some things that resolutions that need to be uh, created and uh, adopted through the board that can be done. And so that's those are that's something that we uh, talked about. Um, I, I think these are good recommendations. I think it's a process that will allow the members to get a little more involved while making the job of the resolutions committee a little bit easier and um, and our staff easier. Ultimately, the folks that have to implement these things and um, giving us while well, giving us a good solid process. And as I say, hopefully getting more folks to participate in this part of ACB's important work. Um, um, <clears throat> one last thing I'd say is that uh, one of the things that we talked about was uh, getting resolutions ahead of time. One of the other things it'll do is uh, in the area of transparency, it'll allow us to schedule a community event to give folks an idea of the resolutions that we're gonna be voting on, allow them to ask questions and understand, and even potentially when we're back in person uh, or even on our virtual convention next year, perhaps we could even have a little town hall to talk about resolutions that are coming forward and allow folks to ask questions. Again, that's to kind of improve the understanding of resolutions that are coming forward. So uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's my report. Um, next steps. I guess I'd like to uh, 
get the board's uh, endorsement of our work. Uh, that would be a, a great uh, thing. Um, we certainly would like to present this during the DC, the virtual leadership conference uh, coming up in February and get folks uh, ready for this. And of course, then the two bylaw amendments will go forward through the constitution and bylaws process next summer. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. So uh, with that, I'd be happy to entertain any questions. I, this right, is, uh, this me, is Mark. I think I finally and... managed to oh, uh, get yeah. myself off of mute. Yeah, and, Mark, do you want to uh, add anything, me, uh, sir? Yep. Let me uh, let me plunge ahead here a little bit and just say one of the things that we emphasized amongst each other, but for anyone who uh, we could get to listen, um, is that we and I hope that we consistently present this to folk as we you know talk this up once you all approve this, if you do, uh, is that this this isn't about trying to in any way, shape or form nibble away at ACB's tradition of democracy. If anything, quite frankly, we were passionate for for that and wanted to find ways in which we can streamline the process for accepting, reviewing, editing, getting this stuff out and evaluating these resolutions in a way Absolutely. that even more empowers the ACB membership. Because if you have a situation where uh, you're waiting to the last minute or you've got a ton of resolutions and people are going catatonic because it's crazy to listen to or whatever, uh, these are all things that we've done in the past that, frankly, have not uh, it, uh, uh, forwarded or promoted, frankly, that democratic spirit of reality in ACB because, quite frankly, they shut people out of a process. Uh, and so I think some of the reforms that we're talking about here, modest though they may be in some ways, um, are are helping to to capitalize on that. So, so as we talk about it, once we've approved this, um, I hope that we emphasize this point that this wasn't so much about again trimming or you know changing a direction in acb as much as it is finding a way to promote uh that fact absolutely i do have one i do have one question um ray did we uh, as you know i was caught somewhere in the middle of savannah georgia or something when uh, it was uh during the community calls i don't know if maybe this was addressed there but one of the things we talked about during our committee meetings is the idea that in drafting these resolutions, uh, particularly where we're quoting or uh, the author is wanting to quote at some length uh, from public documents, publicly available stuff, statutes, regs, other publicly available content, that some of that content might be moved into uh, footnotes such that we um, wouldn't necessarily have uh, a long narrative in the actual where yeah yeah we we did yes we did we didn't I didn't include that in this report and that's just simply because I forgot to do it um, yes we did talk about that so what what Mark's talking about is that we could all these like <clears throat> background citations and things which are extremely important you know could be put in in footnotes in the resolutions and then we could you know reference them. if people want to hear what a background citation is we can certainly you know give them the citing but that it's you know stuff that we can you know if we're quoting from anything you do need to attribute it uh, properly and mark you reminded me of something else i want to strongly emphasize to everyone listening is that um when, as we are, work, one of the things that having resolutions a little farther ahead of time will also give us a chance to do is as we're wordsmith, as our committee is wordsmithing them, is to get to work closely with the author to make sure that we don't change the intent of the resolution. We know that people are bring resolutions because they're extremely passionate about <laughs> something and we don't want to change the intent at all. 
uh, of the resolution while we make it into a, a document that ACB can be proud of. All right, well, thank you, Ray and Mark. I'll go ahead and entertain a motion to approve the report and recommendations, and then we'll have discussion. So any would so move? This is Doug, I'll move. All right, Doug Powell has moved. Do I have a second? Come on, second. Denise, I owe you one. From yeah. Kim. Oh, Kim, okay, Kim <laughs> seconds. All okay, right. all right, so Doug has moved. Denise and, on television. That's right, and, <laughs> and Kim has seconded. All right, we'll now open it up for discussion. So um, I, I, while people are gathering their thoughts, I do have uh, one thing I'd like to ask Ray and Mark, and that is in, in committee members. With the idea of kind of doing this work ahead of time, uh, I believe I read this in the report, but as part of this, that to go to the um, convention program committee, that you would really like to see the resolutions kind of more uh, process spread out more throughout the week, like we did with scholarships and angels this year uh, yes. during general session. Yes, yes, and that and having things ahead of time and having them worked up and ready to go will uh, help make that happen. So uh, definitely, we do want to see that. And the okay. other thing I would say to that is, and, and this is not something that needs to be quote unquote legislated, but I would encourage it. Uh, Kim and I did play a little bit with this during my. Uh, uh, Penance uh, serving on the resolutions committee project, but um, I, I do think that we, you know, to the extent it makes good sense that we program up resolutions that pertain to the subject matter being talked about during the convention uh, programming, such that so if you're talking about rehabilitation on a particular day, you've got, mm. or you know, our favorite uh, topic, you have Karen Kenninger talking about NLS. If we've got resolutions pertaining mm. there, on too. <laughs> Um, it would make good sense to to bring those up. And I think that way it helps to, you know, hit people over the head with the fact that, look, so this isn't just some theoretical exercise. You're, we're communicating directly. This is your opportunity formally as a membership to speak up and speak out uh, directly to these folk uh, and about these issues that you've just heard about. And I, I, I just think that makes some good sense. Yeah, and the other and, thing... And, and, with, and with having that information ahead of time, it allows us to, help to do, do that. that. Yes, Ray. Correct. Yeah, I was going to say that the other thing, of course, of course, if there is a speaker from an organization that we need to recognize, and again, we'll be able to plan that. Of course, if that needs to happen, and if somebody gets moved or something, of course, we'll move that so that we can uh, recognize them appropriately with a resolution. So, mm -hmm. Good. Uh, others, board members with comments, questions, discussion. This is Doug. The other, the other thing that I was thinking might be a, a <laughs> suggestion for the uh, resolution chairs. I, uh, a lot of times we know that there are issues that come up, resolutions that come up that are, are, are prickly, you know, they're, they're uh, passions on both sides. And I think to the extent possible, trying to push those, toward the front of the meeting rather than Friday afternoon uh, would also be useful um, in terms of, you know, getting input from, from the membership. Doug, I think it's a great point. And I think Mark would agree with that. Uh, I, I, I think what I would say about that is that makes good sense. I think we, again, something that doesn't need to be legislated per se, but, yeah. but I think we should try this as a practice is okay. devote X amount of time during each of the mm -hmm. meetings Mm -hmm. And then when that and, and keep a keep a good time clock and when that 20 minutes or whatever it is is done, uh, it's done. And 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 if you're in the middle of a debate, maybe we need to push it to the next day. 
it, it, I just think by doing that and also then uh, the resolutions chairs, you know, perhaps working with, with the president, talking through it, saying, okay, here's what we're expecting to do. Here's a hot topic issue. Do we want to bring that up first, second, or third? I mean, I do think it's worth having that kind of discussion. I know previous resolutions chairs have, have been very uh, somewhat reluctant to reach out to the presiding officer or the president about that fearing that there might be some kind of censoring or, and I, I get that impulse. On the other hand, just, just because you reach out to somebody doesn't mean you have to agree with them. Uh, and I think that kind of open uh, sort of negotiation about when to bring stuff up makes good sense. But the idea of not waiting to the last minute on, on controversial things, amen. I mean, there's no question. Well, yeah. And I think, and, and thanks Doug for, for mentioning that. I think uh, also I would say, and I want to get this message out before we vote. And that is, you know, the one thing, the one huge thing that having some discretion uh, through the committee to take resolutions, you know, within that 45 day period, we know that a lot of our affiliates have their business meetings and may have something that they feel very strongly needs to go before ACB. And we certainly want to allow for that as well. And that's one of the reasons that we did that. So good. Okay. Any other questions? Yep. All right. Hearing none, I'm going to go ahead and call the question. All those in favor of approving the recommendations from the rehabilitation, excuse me, re resolutions, like wrong R, resolutions task force. Audio, uh, it's a rehabilitated resolutions. There, thank you, Mark. Appreciate, oh, yeah. appreciate your help there. <laughs> All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Thank you Mark. Thank you, committee. Excellent, excellent good fun. work. Good work. Yep. Appreciate Thanks. it. Dan? And yes. Did you, Jim Crott has his hand raised. Did he want me to lower his hand or did he have something he wants to oh, say? Oh, I'm sorry, Jim. Were you seeking the floor? I'm guessing. I wonder if he hit started. That, that, that was old. That okay. was old. Okay. okay. Thank, thank you, Thank Jim. you. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Th again, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Mark. All right. Item 12 on the agenda, and I'll get a little coaching from some of you folks that are, are better schooled at this than myself. We need to uh, uh, elect uh, three representatives or members of our ACBES board of directors. Do we need to convene into the ACBES board uh, yes. membership yeah. in order to make that election? We do. Yes. I'm hearing from both our I will immediate move. past president and secretary. So, Ray, a motion from you. Okay. You. I will move that the board meeting be recessed and that we convene in an ACBES membership meeting for purposes of uh, electing representative to the ACBES board. Thank you, Ray. Do I have a second? Second. Second, David. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, we now are in uh, the membership meeting of the ACBES. And uh, David, you are our, our ACBES secretary, so you're good to take minutes of what would come out of this meeting, sir? Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, so we have three members of ACBES Board of Directors whose terms have expired. Those are Michael Garrett, our ACBES Chair, uh, David Trott, uh, who's also our ACB Treasurer, and Kim Charlson, 
also our ACB immediate past president. Now the rules for ACB ES board is that five of the seven members of the ACBS board are um, voted on by this membership body, which is made up of the ACB board of directors. We do uh, three in the even years and two in the odd years. So this is an even year. So we'll do three this year, which are Michael, David, and Kim. The other rule in the bylaws is that at least four members of the ACBES Board of Directors must be current serving members and officers of the ACB Board of Directors. Right now, we have Kim, David, Jeff, Tom, and myself, all as ACB Board members. Jeff, Tom, and myself are not up for re-election this time. The ACBES Board has elected a business representative, which is George Holliday, and there is one open slot for a second business representative from the ACBES board. So my yeah. only uh, clarification for you all is when we vote today, we must have at least two members of the ACB board of directors out of these three to comply with our uh, ACBES board constitution and bylaws. Uh, did I hear a question? Well, if you didn't... Uh, Dan, I have a question. If nobody else does, I thought I heard sure. one too. Um, is ha, has anyone spoken to Michael? Is he willing to serve another? And can he serve another term? I don't know what the term limits are. There, there are no term limits, and Michael, uh, I, for my understanding, is uh, is comfortable to serve another uh, term as ACBES uh, chair. Also, since Michael's not here, I'd like to make a comment about Michael. Michael has served us as chair for the last several years and I've been around for a long time. He's the best chair we've had. He, he really stays involved with the ACB stores. Uh, if not on a daily basis, at least on a weekly basis. And we rely a lot on Nancy and the chair for information. So Michael, Michael is, is a great chair and has been a good member. So I would uh, move that he be reelected. Okay, so I have a motion on the floor to re-elect uh, Michael Garrett uh, to the ACBES board. Do I have a second? I'll second. Ray seconds. Any discussion? Point of information, are, are, sure. are David and Kim interested in serving Again, we could do this all at once. That's a good question, uh, Doug. Uh, and I'll ask David and Kim, are you all uh, willing and able to serve for another term on the ACBES board? Sure, we are. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, they're, they're excited about it, Doug. That was a good question. Okay. So I request, I request a, a friendly amendment uh, to include all three as, uh, as part Absolutely. of the motion. Okay. Ray, friendly amendment. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And our seconder was David. Are you good? Yeah, I am. Okay. So now the motion on the floor is to re-nominate uh, Michael Garrett, David Trott, and Kim Charlson to the ACBES Board of Directors. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Is there, why are we, uh, why we're uh, constituted here as the ACBES membership? 
Are there any other questions or concerns to come before the ACBES membership? Uh, I'd just uh, like to ask Tony while he's out uh, about with his duties, if he would be interested in taking on the role of seeking out that outside person that we're looking for with uh, business and franchise expertise. If we could solicit his support to help us find a good business thrift uh, retail Most person in the Texas yeah. area. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Most definitely. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that, that I thought for sure Tony would tell me that he worked at a thrift store in a retail capacity <laughs> earlier in his career. <laughs> in no, El Paso. In yeah. El Paso, of course. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Tony. We appreciate that. Uh, any other discussion? All right. Hearing none, I would like to have a motion to uh, recess from the ACB uh, ES uh, membership meeting. Mr. Chair, I will move that the ACB ES membership meeting be adjourned and that we reconvene in ACB in open session for the ACB board of directors. Thank you, Ray. And a second was that? Sarah. 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 Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. And thank- I've got to be opposed. So. You, you, you've got to. Well, yeah. We're too agreeable. Denise, for your information, I think you probably know this, but you do note the time that the board recessed and that the board came back into open session, which was 50 and 56 past the hour. Thank you very much. All yep. right. Okay, and uh, thank you all very much. And thank you, uh, Michael Garrett, if you're listening out there, and David and Kim for serving. We really appreciate it. And again, while we're talking a little bit about thrift stores, thanks to Michael and to Nancy and all the team. And Erica, our new wonderful person who's helping from our Minnesota staff uh, with the work of the, uh, the thrift stores in both Lubbock and Amarillo. Thank you very much. All right, so... We, I think if the pleasure of this board, why don't we move forward and uh, go ahead and try to do perhaps our first uh, two or three steering committee reports and then we'll take another break. Is that, is everybody okay to trudge on a little bit longer or would everybody, would people like a break? No, let's move on. Keep moving. moving. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you all. We're now going to move to the portion of our agenda, which is uh, concentrated on our uh, nine key program steering committees. Uh, so uh, wanted to kind of give Eric and I just a few moments to kind of share our thoughts now that we've kind of been down this process uh, for a year uh, and, uh, and get get our get get some of our thoughts out on the table and then we'll kind of move into the individual uh, steering committee reports. I first just want to thank the board of directors, our staff and our members. Uh, This was something new kind of out of the box that we transitioned into last year at our fall uh, board of directors meeting. So it's been now a year and uh, I I think uh, you know, it, it change is hard. Uh, it, it's always difficult to learn and do uh, things new and differently. Uh, but I have seen in multiple areas just a tremendous amount of value 
in having the program steering committees. Uh, I know we'll hear a lot about that as we go through the reports today, but it really, it's wonderful to get the input from the committee chairs, from the board members, from the staff, all kind of coming together and having good discussion when implementing the key programs of our organization. So I believe the the synergy, the ability to communicate and share ideas has really uh, been a positive influence. It's uh, And as we're seeing, as we roll out our L10 meetings, we're going to kind of take that next step and adding in a little bit more uh, accountability, kind of culture and structure to the steering committees. Uh, I want to thank the board members who've, who've actively participated in the steering committees. I know we're dealing with a group of very busy, active people here, and we're asking everybody to, you know, to give a little bit more and volunteer to be uh, members of these steering committees. I think we've seen um, overall good participation, but some, some, you know, spotty participation uh, b- between, uh, you know, our committee chairs and our members of the board. So it's something we will continue to, to work on as we move forward. Uh, but I wanted to, again, just thank everybody for the hard work. And I just really see that in, in certain areas, it has truly moved the ball forward for the American Council of the Blind. And I'd like Eric to maybe give a few thoughts and then we'll open up for some general comments before we go into the the individual program steering committee reports. So Eric. Sure. It's been um, it it, I think overall has been a a good year for for the steering committees and for the staff and uh, the member leads and and the board uh, representation to kind of get acclimated um you know there there are a couple of steering committees in particular that are undertaking uh you know what would be considered organizational rocks within eos uh the convention committee i mean heck the convention right (laughs) so the convention steering committee has you know dealt uh this year with a lot of very heavy issues uh you know going uh you know, needing to go virtual, figuring out what that was going to look like, and then ultimately making the recommendation. uh, I believe it was in August, uh, Dan, Mm -hmm. to that, that we go virtual again uh, for 2021. Uh, The advocacy steering committee is actively uh, now working with, uh, with staff to help plan the legislative seminar in February, which as you all are aware is going to be virtual and it's going to take a, a, I think a very different, um, it's going to look different um, in terms of uh, the, the type of content, who's going to be involved. Um, it's going to be a, a significant undertaking, but uh, you know, it, it's going to take ideas, but ultimately uh, work output from members of the steering committee uh, in conjunction with, you know, our, our staff to be able to pull this off. And it's exciting, but these are, these are real tangible things that these steering committees are, are undertaking. And um, it's been, it's been really encouraging to watch it 
Um, I do, I do definitely feel that there is, uh, there's room to continue to, uh, to be more productive with other steering committees and to have regular meetings. Um, you know, I, with, with my team, um, you know, we're beginning to roll out these L10s to the steering committees to, to introduce the meeting structure, but with the aim to ultimately maximizing the time that folks are with one another to ensure that, that these, these meetings are, are hitting the mark where people feel like stuff is getting done or, or, you know, action items are being assigned. And, um, you know, from, from my perspective, you know, we're, we're still a capacity constrained team and we are, still very much reliant upon the membership and um, as a, as a member driven organization, we should be, uh, but we need, we need help. And as we grow and evolve, as I'm sure you all have observed um, the sort of assistance and how we get it and the timeliness of that assistance and collaboration, frankly, between the staff and the members is, is going to change and, you know, it's just going to be so important that, that we have good two-way communication. And, you know, it's, it's my hope and expectation that these steering committees, along with the introduction of the L10, will help to, help to get us further down the road uh, to, to maximize productivity. So those are my thoughts. Thank you, Eric. A any comments from the board before we move into the individual steering committee? reports. All right. Hearing none, I um, I think what I'd like to do is uh, for, you know, I'm going to try to kind of keep these bound uh, with, with kind of the goal to keep reports uh, within kind of the 20 minute time frame with both uh, reports and questions and discussion, just because we've got nine of these to get through. Uh, and then uh, you know, still a little bit of work after that. So with that said, I'd now like to turn it over to Janet Dickelman, who is the member lead for the convention steering committee, along with the staff lead, Nancy Marks Becker, and our officer liaison, uh, David Trott. So Janet. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you. And I promise I will stay under 20 minutes. You know me, I can talk fast. All right, um, let me just introduce, and I'm sorry, I'm not looking at my list. So if I miss anyone, uh, please understand. And I know I'll be corrected. Um, as Dan said, our staff liaison is Nancy and David Trott is our officer liaison. Dan Spoon is also on this committee as is Eric, Kim, and from the board, Jim, Katie, Jeff, and uh, oh, Tony from staff. And Deb Cook-Lewis is on the committee. We've also had some members from ACB Radio, Debbie um, and Jason and Rick have been joining us the last few weeks. We have been meeting weekly or every other week since August. And not to correct you, but we did start talking about the convention going virtual in August. And it was approved at, I believe the board meeting was on October 14th. So that's when we, the final decision was made to go virtual. So we are a very busy committee. Last 
Wednesday, I had my first meeting with the convention planning committee, and that is a member of each special interest affiliate and committee, the program chairs for all of them. And I was amazed that several of them already have some ideas for programming. So that's wonderful. They're hitting the ground running. Um, some of the highlights of our meeting is I let them know, thanks to ACB Radio, that for our afternoon and evening sessions, we will have five, count them five, ACB Radio streams. So we can stream pretty much all of our programming. And that does not, we will also have a stream for the exhibit hall and for the tours. So we have five streams that we can dedicate just to programming. We are going to, Deb Cook-Lewis and I are going to come up with a template that we will give to all the program chairs for to send to each of their presenters. And that will explain to them all about Zoom. It will ask them what their needs are. It will talk about video. It'll talk about screen sharing. It will give them all the information let them know that they'll get a special link for Zoom. So we will, everyone will be getting all the same information. Um, we plan to have um, general sessions, uh, convention dates, I should have said, I think everybody knows this already, but are Friday, July 23rd through Friday, July 30th. We will have opening general session. The steering committee really liked the Sunday evening opening general session. So the plan is to have opening general session Sunday evening and then daily sessions Monday through Friday. We are looking at Eastern time um, at starting general sessions during the day at 11 a.m. so that our friends on the West Coast will start at eight o'clock, which is when it would have started if we were in Phoenix. So general sessions will be daily from 8, uh, 11 a.m. to 12 till 2 p.m. Eastern. And then our afternoon sessions are going to be standardized fr Friday through Friday, and they will start at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. So we will have a session starting at 2.30 to 3.45, uh, one from 4 p.m. to 5.15 p.m. 5.30 to 6.45, 7 to 8.15, 8.30 to 9.45, and mixers if they want to start at 10 to 11.15. Uh, and that is the plan for all sessions throughout the day. We plan to have, of course, we'll have, I've talked to friends in art, and I believe they're going to do their showcase Friday the 23rd. I think that was very popular. We'll come up with a fun event for Saturday evening um, and general session will be on Monday Then we or Sunday. We plan to have, of course, the auction on Tuesday and the banquet on Friday, July 30th. And then the other evenings we will have, as we did in 2020, an evening with ACB. And we'll come up with some, we had some great programming last year, and I'm sure we'll come up with some additionally great programming for 2021. Um, I'm hoping that ADP, well, kind of, I, you know, we'll see who, what we come up with for programming, but I think we'll have some wonderful evening programs. I said to the convention planning committee that I well, will well, try to, what? Oh, that I will try, sorry, my jaw's in the background, that I will try to 
give them the program time that they want, but I am going to work with the affiliates and committees so that we can try to keep our programming throughout the convention and enable everything to be streamed that should be streamed. So I've said, you know, I may ask you to move something and everyone was very, you know, fine with that. On December 1st, we have the program committee meeting, our first program committee meeting, which is where we will deal with the general session and work on um, what we have. I heard a rumor that there's already an idea for an NLS narrator. We plan to do a lot of the pre-recorded sessions as we did for 2020 with the angels, the scholarship presentations, which we will have throughout the week um, and the DKM winners and the JP Morgan Chase and a few other things that we'll be able to record. That will be great. And I was thinking when we were talking about resolutions, I don't know how feasible it would be, but you might want to consider maybe recording some of the resolutions that you're going to be reading. I know I personally like that idea because when I'm reading something especially long, like a resolution, I tend to hem and haw and stop and lose my place. So boy, I'd sure love to have something like that recorded. I know that you might not be able to record everything because things are going to change, but that's something, you know, the resolution committee can certainly think about. Um, as far as the convention steering committee goes, we have a couple of subcommittees right now. We have a group working on the exhibit hall and we're talking about how we can fine tune that as far as maybe having, we may have the recorded sessions a little bit shorter because I think maybe some of them got a little bit long and we will, I believe what we're planning on doing is Last year, we thought it was a good idea to move things around so everybody had different visibility. I think we're going to keep the sessions, uh, the exhibitors at the same time each day. We are also going to tell them if they want to set up Zoom rooms, if they get links to us, we will put that in the online program so people can go and have contact with the exhibitors throughout the convention. We have another subcommittee that is working on things such as ACB link and how to come up with standardized information for our tech and information desks. And uh, that is that covers pretty much what I have at the moment. So I will entertain any questions. Yeah, I had a question. Uh, <clears throat> is the Sunday night session going to start at 7 Eastern? Is that, I didn't hear that. Yes, I'm you. sorry, I didn't say it. Yes. Sorry. Okay, thank you. Yes, it is. And the banquet too? Uh, yes, I, we haven't fine-tuned that, but that's my, pl that's my plan. And anybody have any ideas for banquet? We'll talk about it at the program committee, of course, but, you know, I'm, I don't know how we can, uh, Top Roy Samuelson from 2020, but I sure want to try. Janet. He definitely set the bar high. He yes, did. go ahead. Uh, Janet, one, one idea that uh, we might want to consider is to use Be My Eyes next year for the um, help desk uh, to be, allow people to be able to get direct access to get assistance for visual as well as audio help. Okay. So yeah. Might let's, be something, we'll uh, let's. I don't know if that. you've talked, to, you're on that subcommittee. Have you talked about that? 
I, I, I am not. I was just thinking about it, and I thought, why aren't we using that? So I just wanted to throw it out know. there. So don't don't let me forget yeah. it. Okay. When, when we meet at five in the morning next. Okay, time. <laughs> I'll make a note. And I do want to think why other people are formalizing their their uh, comments for d- discussion. I do want to thank Janet and and team, and also Kate Vendemio, who really yes. worked with the team to put together a kind of a lessons learned document and put those in different categories. And then Janet took that document along with the results of the convention satisfaction survey, which uh, Tony and Rick and team did a great job at producing. And I think we had what Janet, almost 700 people that responded to it, which was impressive. I took all that information. Yeah. Something like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Took all that information and really put it in a working document that the steering committee has been meeting virtually every week to kind of go through each of those categories, understand the street weaknesses, uh, you know, opportunity for change and things we should stop and kind of crystallizing those down and then turning them into action items that have now gone off to these sub teams to work on. So yeah, really good process. Questions? Come on, this is a convention. I know people have questions about the convention. And I haven't used all my 20 minutes yet. No, yes. But I'll go away and go back to moving furniture if you don't have any questions. I will say, Janet, I really appreciate the, the kind of two themes that kind of came out. One was to kind of think through tracks. And so not necessarily that everything is happening on one day, but you could identify, you know, rehabilitation issues or yes, transportation issues. And you could line up that here's all the sessions throughout the week that line up to that particular yes. topic. Yeah. So I thought that was a, a really good saying, idea. Are you saying that in terms of time allocation or just uh, no. creating the program that, that would, when, would be subject oriented? When we create the program, it would not just be kind of, um, you know, tied to, say, special interest group or committee, but would also, because what we're finding is uh, that different uh, special interest affiliates, different committees all have subjects that are related. And if you had a, uh, a technology track, you could then kind of lay out throughout the week, here's all your opportunities to learn more about accessible technology. And it might, and then part of that, I think, as Janet works with their planning committee, is then to not have them all stockpiled at the same time on the same day, but spread them out. Yeah, which will be more of a challenge, of course. The other thing I call it almost, uh, you know, we've heard a lot about flattening the curve. That's really what Janet's trying to do with the breakout sessions to kind of spread them out across the week instead of them all being kind of snow plowed into Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Yeah. And I was asked at the planning committee um, if I was keeping the first session open, which we've always done the one, the session that was traditionally 115 that Mm. we always kept open for affiliates only so that they had Mm. a little time that was just for themselves. And I did say, I made a management decision and I did say, yes, that was the plan because I know that had always been the direction from the board previously. So I'm going to keep that 2.30 after. Uh, PM session just for affiliate. I mean, we do have a few things every once in a while that slip in committee wise, but I will definitely try to keep that for affiliates only. And we have five channels open, so we may have some availability. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Other questions or comments for Janet? All right. Well, thank you. Oh, and we are going to, I just, 
I didn't have this in my notes, but we are going to have, based on requests, we are going to have a Zoom hospitality room available for people if they just want to come in and visit. And we are also planning on doing shortly before the convention, maybe a week or two before, having some Zoom meetings for people to learn about Zoom and how to access the convention various ways um, and how to how to interact with Zoom. For We have a lot of people who go on the community calls, but not everybody. And so we're just gonna do a little bit of Zoom info prior to the convention. And, and Yes. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah. And based on um, responses to the survey, um, I think the convention, we're going to collaborate with the audio description project again and have um, audio described tours available yes. again on a I, channel. I, I briefed, I said the tour channel, and I, but I, I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't really elaborate on that. But yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we're counting on that. And we're going to work on, on that with you to get the content yep. like we did last time. In fact, every time I see something that looks interesting tour-wise, I, I send it out to Joel and I say, hey, Joel, <laughs> what about this for the tour channel? What about that for the tour channel? Mm -hmm. Good. Well, and, the, and, the, and the other thing, go, go ahead, Doug. Was that Doug? Sorry. Yeah. Yep. The other thing is we have a ton of brochures that have been audio described for the national parks through Unity. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I don't know how we do that, but, you know, making those, you know, making some of those brochures, you know, be available uh, as as tours would be uh, kind of cool. And that's what some of the tours were last year based on those. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I there's more opportunity yeah. there. And the other kind of resounding thing we heard, especially from our uh, low vision uh, community. Uh, as Katie's coaching us up, of people experiencing vision loss, uh, <laughs> perhaps, uh, is that the, the video really resonated for our low vision community and for uh, sighted uh, members that are participating, uh, family, friends, and just folks that are have a, you know, a passion to be a member and be involved in American Council of the Blind. So I think one thing we are doing this year is getting started earlier that we are going to uh, uh, have available for the breakout sessions this year, the ability right, to go said, to a video format. The presenters yeah. If they want video, if they want, you know, what they want. So yes, we definitely will, will be able to do that. As well as our, our sponsors our, and vendors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so. we've already, we've already got our, our sponsorship information is up on the ACB uh, the convention website already and we already have a couple of sponsors for 2021 so that's very exciting good deal yep All so right. we're getting started thank you thank janet you. we really appreciate it and thank thanks Anyone to else? the committee all right i'm going going back to reorganizing my house now that my floors are done you sound so excited about that janet yeah Hey, my furniture got moved back. I'm happy oh. about that. Now I just have to go put everything back in the closets. And Janet, yeah. as a personal note, I have to tell you how much I enjoyed you and Terry's interview on, uh, on, oh, on Sunday's, uh, Sunday's show with Anthony. That was really, uh, I felt like I learned a lot about Terry. So. The husband who nobody thought I really had. <laughs> <laughs> a really good guy. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to okay, you later. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Janet.
All right. Okay. Uh, next, we're going to hear from membership services coordinator, uh, Cindy, Cindy Hollis, uh, who is the uh, <clears throat> staff lead for the membership services steering committee. Uh, her member team lead is Donna Brown and the officer liaison is Ray Campbell. So Cindy, I hope I've given you time to get back from your earlier speaking engagement commitments and uh, we'd like love to hear from you. Is she back yet? I don't, I don't see her in the list. She may not be back yet because yeah, I didn't know. Talk, she's still talking to the ACB of Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> she was hoping to be done by two, but maybe they had lots of questions for her. So if it would be okay, uh, Clark, would you be comfortable with moving ahead of Cindy and, and uh, giving us our advocacy steering committee update? Uh-oh. <laughs> Everybody, everybody was kind of scheduled based on when they saw their name on the list. Hey, see here. Per, perhaps. I'm not, I'm if not Clark's, Clark's not here, I could do it if you'd like. Perhaps we could, the next on the list is our ADP <laughs> project. So, are you okay? I have Kim? my stuff ready. You have your stuff. Okay, so so we'll, we'll kind of uh, shift okay. around a little bit. I knew this was going to be a little yeah, bit of a I challenge. This, this, is, this is why flexibility is one of our Come. core values. Exactly. All right, okay, so, and, so and next, just, just yes. so you know, I do see Claire on there also, and she would be after Kim if if, if we needed to go to yep. ERPS next. Okay, so yeah. we'll hear from the audio description project uh, program. Uh, our officer liaison is Kim Charlson, who's going to speak today, along with our member lead, uh, Carl Richardson, and our staff uh, contractor, Joel Snyder. So go ahead, Kim. Thank you. All right. Um, so I think as most of you know, the, the audio description project, um, we have divided um, work activities into subcommittees and the subcommittees are um, the award, uh, ADP awards, um, ADP, the Batty committee, ADP conference, um, ADP media, ADP performing arts museums and parks, um, and ADP Section 508. Those are our primary, and then the full steering committee for ADP. So the subcommittees do have some people on them who are not part of the structured steering committee. So, um, and all of those subcommittees meet throughout the month, and then um, we have full report back at each of our monthly steering committee meetings. So we have... Um, this is kind of outside the scope of each of the subcommittees, which I'll talk about in a, in a few moments. But we do have several members, um, including um, Carl Richardson, Joel Snyder, um, Claire, I think, and um, Clark um, are very engaged in activities with the FCC and the Disability Advisory Committee and all aspects of the FCC and audio description um, and those engagements. And they've just closed the current cycle for the Disability Advisory Committee. And we're now waiting to hear on the reappointment cycle and probably won't hear anything for, for a while um, on the new DAC that probably won't be reconstituted until January or February. 
So um, the, um, there's the FCC. Um, Sam Yale is on that too, right? Yes, yes, he is. He's a, he represents industry, but he is absolutely a great advocate to have on there because he represents his employer um, access something. I can't remember who he works for at the top, the top of my head, but um, he is level there. access, level access. I was going to say level that's star. Right. And that's like an old note taker from like 10 years ago <laughs> or something. <laughs> but he's also the president of ACB. And he's president of ACB of Virginia, which yes, exactly. Um, so the, um, the ADP awards committee, they have been um, taking a look at the awards criteria for the, uh, I think there's seven different categories and we've broadened them. Jeff Tom is the chair of the awards subcommittee. Um, we have a meeting in uh, right after Thanksgiving to um, finalize the 2021 criteria for the ADP awards. And we, um, so we'll be, we'll be doing that. And then we're broadening them a little bit to have more opportunity to recognize um, individuals in a few different categories. Um, so the, then also, um, and Donna is quite involved with the ADP Batty Committee, Benefits of Audio Description and Education. They are um, in the, in the midst of what they do right now, which is promoting um, the contest, the uh, writing contest and writing reviews of audio described um, videos that the students would watch and then write a, write a review of, and then submit those reviews in, in um, different age groupings or age categories. And then those are judged and winners are determined. And we have had um, the prize winners at um, a variety of our mid-year um, leadership conference. We have had them there. We've had them at the convention in past years as well. So this year with the um, things just being a little different, I think the timing is a little later because the convention's a little later. I think that's what they were shooting for um, and why they decided to go a little later with the cycle. So, and, and also because it's not, <laughs> it's not your typical year for students in school. So I think any little bit of extra time um, is helpful. Um, what I've already written down as a to-do for myself is to resubmit to the board list the, um, the announcement about the Beatty Awards and ask all of you as board members to do your best in your networks and communities to distribute that announcement and to try to get us more um, submissions of students from your particular states. Um, Donna Brown absolutely wins the prize that she has had <laughs> students in West Virginia submitting essays and write-ups and reviews for several years. And now we've got quite a few coming in from North Dakota, probably due to um, Zelda and her activities as well. But um, there's a lot of other states out there. So We'd like to see some new states submitting, um, you know, entries into the into the contest. So I'll be doing that after the board meeting and hope that you will help um, spread the word on your lists as well. The um, the 
conference committee has um, has not met as of yet, but we will start to meet. Um, if not in December, we absolutely will in January to start pulling things together and developing, um, you know, our plan for um, the ADP conference and and our how long that's going to be and how involved and what our our intentions are for that. So probably we'll if I can fit it into the ever-growing December schedule, which is, you know, we try to get things maybe sort of done in early December. So maybe folks, of, you know, on the board can have a couple of weeks that get a little lighter for the holidays. So if I can't fit it in there, then it'll come in early January. So um, ADP has been busy on the media front. Um, Tuesday Topics had a session with Joel Snyder that was quite busy and popular, it seemed. Um, we've, <laughs> we also had um, Susan Glass and Joel um, visit the, um, I think they visited the president's um, community um, chat and um, they were interviewed also on the um, picture of this podcast that Brian and Carl have on audio description issues. And so, and they were on the um, Speaking Out for the Blind podcast with Brian McCallum. So that they've been trying to get the word out about um, speaking about, about the Beatty competition. So um, there was also, um, Joel visited the um, president's group on um, community um, about a month ago um, with Denise Decker, who as all of you I'm sure have heard, passed away on November 4th, very suddenly. No, I didn't. Oh. Yeah, and we're very, very sad about oh. that. She was the chair of our um, performing arts, museums, and parks subcommittee. And she and Joel had um, had met with the affiliate presidents yeah. to let them know about um, the performing arts survey um, that we have been working on in the performing arts subcommittee to try to um, get you know try to identify more theaters and parks and museums that have audio description that are not um, listed in our, um, in, on our website, on the ADP website, just as, as resources, because we have a feeling that there are organizations and institutions out there doing things and we may not know about them, but local people may have some connections. So they were talking about that um, survey and, um, and the work that we're doing with that. So we're going to, um, be doing more of that. And um, some of you also may have helped the ADP um, in October. We had a, a survey from the Universitat, and this is Joel's alma mater, and I never say it right, Universitat Autonoma di Barcelona, <laughs> and the program that he has his PhD from and they were looking for English speakers to listen to samples of voices and the tone in the voices. So it was a tone study of, of description. And we, we um, 
we got by having 30 people take that survey for them, they paid ACB $400. So we were very happy to contribute by finding um, over 30 people, including 30 blind people and about a dozen or so sighted people, which they also wanted them to listen, um, uh, to take that survey. So that was, that was good. And there was some benefit to ACB, which was nice. So um, there's been a lot of, of training. Joel's been doing some training uh, virtually. Um, he's also been um, active with his book, the, the Visual Made Verbal. ACB is the publisher of that book. And it's going to be released um, in a Greek edition and a Chinese edition in 2021. And the World Blind Union is interested in co-publishing the book in a Spanish language edition. And that would probably happen at the end of 2021 or early 2022. It's being finalized in its English and its Spanish translation now. And the World Blind Union is very excited about um, co-publishing it with ACB. So there's no financial obligation for us, we, but we are the publisher on record. Um, there's also um, work through the World Blind Union on um, exploration of a French edition of the book. So it is definitely the definitive um, textbook in the field of audio description. Um, we have been approached by uh, Vision Australia to help them. They are very impressed with um, our BATI program and they would like to create a similar program in Australia and wanted some guidance from Susan Glass, the chair of our BATI committee. Um, and so we're working a little bit with them just to give them some guidance on how to get a program like BATI started. And we're very fortunate to have the sponsorship and support of the Described and Captioned Media Project and Jason Stark. Um, they're, they're great partners with BATI and our program and help us with a lot of the logistics for the BATI competition. And they also contribute for all the prizes for our winners, which is great. So the holidays are coming and we are working on a, um, a special program broadcast with audio description um, of the Elf on the Shelf um, series. I'm not sure which one it's going to be yet, but it will have audio description. And then afterwards, it may also have a special um, phone-in feature because this is going to be hopefully done in collaboration with ACB Radio, um, that there will be a special call-in feature to talk to Santa. So that's right. Um, any children? Yes. So any children listening should not listen for, for one moment while I say <laughs> that <laughs> Joel Snyder has filled that role for, um, for this audio in, in the Washington, D.C. area for a specific station for 
over 25 years. And this time he'll be doing it on ACB radio. And that's in the works as well. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, we are also, um, again, on the, the arts, uh, performing arts um, program, probably sometime tomorrow, um, you'll be getting an email through um, leadership and other ACB email channels. Um, our performing arts museums and parks subcommittee meeting would have been scheduled for Monday evening with Denise as the chair. And we decided that we're, we're taking that same time slot and we're going to have a call-in memorial time to, to, to talk about Denise with our memories and just record that and gather all those memories together um, and then share that with her family afterwards. So, um, so there will be an email that goes out to tell people. Um, Denise was very, also very involved in international disability advocacy through an organization called Partners for Independence in the Washington DC area. And um, they did a very nice tribute to her online. And so um, that'll, that will be shared as well in the email that um, Joel's working on. I gave him all the info and said, can you put this together today? I'm at the board meeting. So he's finalizing that for me. So, um, and in the area of media, we're always very busy there, but I think um, the one exciting thing in our media work is um, we reached out to the Academy of Motion Pictures, Artists, um, and, and Arts and Sciences, and they're the ones that do the Academy Awards. And we started this dialogue probably in early spring um, about the, the museum for the Motion Picture Academy. And um, they wrote back and told us all about the accessibility features that they will be having in their museum, which is great. Um, and we also, um, found out when they replied back because in our initial letter to them, we, we asked about accessibility for the museum. We also asked about that. We felt audio description should be a requirement for all of the pictures nominated for best picture. And they wrote back and they said that in the 20. Um, 2022 Academy Awards cycle, that audio description will become a requirement for any nominated um, motion picture for best picture um, by the Academy. So that we were very excited to hear that. Um, and we're going to keep the dialogue going with them on um, on a variety of other issues. We're also um, encouraging them to consider a some kind of uh, recognition for the technical side of audio description because they do a lot of um, technical academy, you know, Oscars that don't get a lot of industry. And we're also working with. Um, well, with Facebook, Google, and YouTube on um, some kind of a mechanism so that um, you can turn on and off audio description. 
and on those on those um, platforms. Now, YouTube has done it um, within the last two months. They have actually released the capacity to do that. Um, and we're now working with Google and trying to get Facebook to do something as well. So um, I think, oh, and I guess I should say a little bit about um, the, the work with um, Section 508. Um, that's Patrick is the, the committee chair for that group. And they're doing a lot of planning and preparation because there's a lot of demand on um, by the federal government for training and certification for um, audio description, which is another area where um, Joel and I are doing a lot of work with ACVREP. So, um, so Pat's committee is working on a primer for audio description that will help federal agencies. And they're also looking at developing a training for um, on audio description for federal agencies to get more of the audio description into the 508 component side of federal agencies. Um, and then finally, we've just started having conversations and I guess I kind of want to put this on, on Jeff Bishop and Eric's plate a little bit because I know we're talking a lot about our our um, our web presence and web migration, and we just kind of organically started having conversations this week with um, Fred Brack, our webmaster for ADP, and the conversation did come up about you know thinking about and planning and preparing for how do we migrate ADP into the ACB um, website and because ADP is programmed very differently. So it's gonna take some planning and some prep time and it's different, but I think I calmed um, Fred down when he said, I don't know Drupal. And I said, don't worry, it, it'll be okay <laughs> because it has a very good content management system. So you don't have to know it today. So, so maybe I scared Eric away by telling him that. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but I, I did say that it's something we have to plan for. You know, don't, don't worry that it's going to happen tomorrow. But I, I think it needed to be on Fred's radar and it needs to be on, on, it needs to be on the ACB radar side for, for the web transition of ADP. So at least I started having a little bit of a dialogue about it with them and We'll be interested in talking more with Eric and Jeff about what kind of steps and what kind of planning we'll need to do because I, I yeah, it, there will be there will be a need for that. Absolutely, and this will involve Louisville Web Group. So and yes, because of the transition and how it's all programmed, no question about it, and funding too. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's yeah. that's good. Yes. I just wanted to um, mention too that we will need to get a better understanding on how that data is stored for yeah. a lot of the uh, so maybe ADP after content. the yeah maybe yeah. after the first of the year we should kind of pull together a meeting with you and yeah and Tony and and Eric and 
Fred and Joel and me and Carl and just get and Dan and get all the yeah. players together and talk all these right. things through so we can start yeah. to pull together the right information. But it, I think it's on, good to, that we're going to talk about it. Yeah, because honestly, it would be great to be able to use that data in lots of different places, not just on the yes. ADP section. No, because so. you know that we've been talking about like a, an Alexa skill or right. all the kinds of in, in an ACB link and yeah. mm-hmm. all that kind yeah. of stuff. And yeah. Yeah. he's done some tremendous work being able to search for a specific title in the title search right. box. And right. there's right. just a, a lot of stuff he's done. And I don't know we'll, how it's going to migrate or not. So we'll get with you after yeah. the first of the year. That sounds perfect. All right. And, and Kim, you've got to mention a little bit about HBO, I think. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> I, I only spent the last year working with those folks. So um, the settlement was signed um, earlier in October and um, with HBO Max to, um, to have them um, make their website and their player and their app um, accessible and to bring audio description into their platform. Um, and we're expecting, we haven't really heard anything since we signed the agreement and our press release went out, but their first reporting meeting is um, the 27th of November. So it's right after Thanksgiving. Um, and I should have the, I should have some information about how that goes the following week. So that'll be our first report out from HBO on what, what they've been doing as far as um the transition, but their first um, deadlines are in March of 2021, and those are related to some accessibility for their, their the the first um, audio description content requirements are 1,500 hours of described content by March 2021. So that's quite a lot of content to deliver by March. So, and then there, the second major description timeline is March, 2022, where they would have 6,000 hours of described 3000, excuse me, 3000 in 2022, and then 6,000 in 6,000 hours in 2023. So that doesn't mean they're going to hold all the content and then let it all out on March of 2022, um, they'll they'll put content out as they get it, but they'll be tracking, you know, their obligation for the number of hours um, as they go. So, and then there'll be regular quarterly reporting meetings between the attorneys that are involved. So, um, so I'll be able to provide um, fairly regular updates to the board as um, time goes on. Hulu is the other one that there's been some concern about because there has not been um, a lot of new audio described content added to the Hulu site in quite some time. Um, we, I've only noticed like one or two things. Um, it looks like the list from the lawyers tell us that maybe there was about a dozen. Some of them are just half hour television programs. So um, it's not a lot considering, but a lot of, um, a lot of the studios are are not having a good time right now. It's been very challenging for them, but um, but Hulu is is technically is not in compliance with the agreement because they just haven't had any content coming out. So um, 
there's a meeting with them next week with our um, DRA attorneys. So I sh- I'll have more information about how that's going because they, they really were not complying um, to our agreements. So this will be an important meeting to, to find out how they're going to get back on track. So I think that's it. Um, happy to take questions if um, anyone has questions. All right, any questions for uh, Kim? on audio description. I have a quick question and a comment. Yes, go ahead, Doug. The question is um, uh, HBO Max, is that separate from HBO itself? Or would that- Yes, it is. Okay. It's the new new cable service, and I guess I would call it a premium cable service that um, has different comment. There also is HBO Now, um, but a lot of cable providers are starting to roll HBO Now subscribers into HBO Max, which I think was a, a strategy that HBO Max kind of put out there. Um, I think their objective is they hope someday to just have HBO Max. But HBO and HBO Go, those are cable, basic cable services on a lot of different cable networks all over the country. And I think it's going to be a little more challenging for them to just say, well, we're going to roll those over into HBO Max because the cable companies that have these agreements aren't, you know, let's say give them a really good deal. It, you know, it's, it's like you know, a lot of people aren't going to want to pay that kind of money. So if when they had HBO as part of their cable price, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but but HBO does not, does not pass through uh, audio description. No. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. No, right. And the agreement is only the streaming service HBO max gotcha. doesn't include HBO. Thanks. Uh, the other comment. And I they're have. different platforms. That's, that's part of it is that it's a totally different platform. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm, I'm on the steering committee for the ADP. And if you want to, if you want to see a hardworking um, group of people uh, come to the ADP steering committee, I'm always blown away by what uh, the agenda that they have and the, and the accomplishments that they're doing from month to month. So uh, I know Dan mentioned a couple of the steering committees uh, earlier and did not include ADP. And I just wanted to say from the inside, uh, I, I can't imagine that any steering committee is working any harder than the ADP folks. Oh, thank you for those comments. Yeah. And I, and I did want to mention that it's my goal to, um, to start rolling out the, um, the EOS um, structure with our steering committee in January and then um, trickling it down through the subcommittees, you know, as we move ahead through 2021. Thank you, Kim. Any any other questions or comments for Kim? Kim. Dan Dillon. Yes. This is Dan Dillon. I have a question for you regarding your ADP awards. Uh, do you you do have a category, don't you, for live narration of live performances? Um, yes, we do. Um, like performing arts, that kind of 
Yeah, like at the yes. Tennessee Performing Arts. Uh, yes, yes, the, the we Broadway do. shows. Uh-huh. Okay, we've yeah. got a wonderful uh, narrator uh, who's been doing this for several years for, for the Tennessee Performing Arts Center, and uh, mm-hmm. she really de- deserves some recognition. So when when Good. will that information come they, out? Then they will. Pro- the criteria will probably go out. I would say maybe mid to late January. And the deadline is in May sometime. I can't remember okay. the exact date, but it's in May. So there's like four months. And you certainly right. should, if you have somebody, you should nominate them for for their distinguished service. It sounds like you've got somebody good. So we, we do. Nice. Thank, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other comments? All right. Thank you Thanks, so much, Sam. Kim. Excellent, excellent report. We're, uh, well, now I, I think I heard Cindy Hollis uh, uh, get, get done with her previous uh, assignments, and, and I heard her log back in. So we're now going to go back to membership services and hear from Cindy, and then after Cindy, we will take a break. So go ahead, Cindy. Well, right. I should say, let, let me give a little bit of her. This is Cindy Hollis, who is our <laughs> membership services coordinator and our staff lead for the membership services steering committee. And her member uh, lead is Donna Brown and her officer liaison is uh, Ray Campbell. So take it away, Cindy. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, we have, uh, so under the membership steering committee, besides, of course, some of you office, uh, officers and board members here, uh, our, uh, the uh, membership committee with artists, the uh, uh, leadership institute committee with Denise, and I mean, Denise, sorry, Rebecca. Rebecca. And you guys don't even know. Uh, and um, the, oh, help me, the Ralph is the chair of the credentials, 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 credentials. credentials yeah. committee. Sorry. Uh, and then, of course, you know, there's a lot of things that I do. Uh, with membership services that also gets shared within our steering committee. And with this committee, I've not yet done an L10 meeting, but will eventually be doing that. And so, um, uh, yeah, uh, so what we've done, probably the latest and greatest that we've done is um, membership committee continues to uh uh, have a focus call every other month and they've been utilizing of course conference calls zoom calls and we've also been putting them on our community events schedule which of course I'll get to a little bit in a little bit here uh, but because of doing that we're noticing of course numbers picking up we've got bigger numbers and uh, which is great and uh, so those those as well as Leadership Institute has created a series of leadership training, which uh, is now going to be offered monthly on the third Thursday of every month. And uh, we have mapped out uh, some uh, training through uh, up until convention of next year, which is really exciting. And I believe that uh, we are really uh, prepared to just keep that rolling out. 
and hope that we get a lot of good input from people um, uh, on bringing more content in the future. So this Thursday, we have uh, one on um, uh, oh my onboarding. Gosh, onboarding. Onboarding. Uh, Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Hit, um, hitting the home run with your transition. Yes. Oh, it's, it's really exciting. And we've been doing these in a webinar. And we're, what I think the exciting part is that we really want to open this up to anyone who wants leadership training. So really, we hope that not only affiliate leaders, but also chapter leaders and people that are just interested in possibly becoming leaders will take advantage of the trainings that are being offered. And both committees are working on putting together handouts and um, and are looking to link then the archived or podcasted event to their respective pages on ACB and use that real estate to encourage uh, further growth in uh, membership and leadership where people can go and get it on demand uh, if they missed it. So those are things that I feel like are really exciting and they were things that were in my original membership plan and hoped that would happen and here we are and it is happening. So that's really exciting. Um, Also, uh, Veterans uh, Affiliate, Viva Visually Impaired Veterans of America has a new acting president, Tyson Ernst, and been working with him. And they have been creating some programming that's come on the community events as well. And they are rebuilding their affiliate, which is exciting. And uh, I look forward to having them, uh, you know, grow and uh, become more active and one of the main things that they're working on right now is recreating uh, some of their constitutional stuff so that they can really be more current with their activities um, and then of course uh, let's see oh I, I haven't even had a chance to share this part yet with my steering committee but um, we uh, I have uh instituted or sent out the affiliate leaders um, survey very similar to what I did last year and incorporated a few new questions into it giving people till the end of November to fill that out it's intended for affiliate leaders that are elected in a state and special interest level as affiliate level so uh, this is not for chapter leaders but for state special interest leaders to fill out and um, looking forward to getting a good response from people to give us really a clear picture of where affiliates are at currently and see where there's been growth see where the needs have changed because we know just be it's not a one and done that we learned something yes last year and then that means that's the same need this year needs change and boy don't we know it <laughs> um so uh that is out and um you know if you are listening and or if you're as a board member if you're an affiliate leader i hope you'll take the time to fill it out uh the responses will be anonymous but will be shared with affiliate presidents to do as they wish as well as of course i will be compiling that information and sharing a summarized version or view of what kind of feedback we received to uh, the board. Um, 
and then man our community events those weren't even a, a glimmer in anyone's uh, imagination uh, when we met in DC in February but they certainly are have taken uh, over and I've spoken at a couple of affiliates uh, today and my analogy of the community is that it's been it's like a moving train uh, <laughs> that continues to add cars to it so when you keep adding cars there's more weight more momentum more people getting on board and I am running in front of it laying track <laughs> that, is, <laughs> so, that is probably the best analogy I can give you um, and I've become quite a track layer I guess I don't know <laughs> and my goal is for it not to uh, uh, <laughs> yeah not to get run over but also for it not to um, for us not to go off the track what do you call that when a train off the rails or, derail. Derail. derail derail there derail, that's what yeah. I'm looking for so we don't derail um, so in with that in that vein um and as part of my role on the leadership team and what we've been doing uh with rocks and uh which is like really our focus my focus by the end of this year is to create processes so that um this this program this community events is an actual program that because we didn't plan for it it just has happened and grown and just so that you guys know, you know, uh, in October, let's see. So in April, we had about 160 calls uh, in all. And in October, we had about 316. Um, so we've just about doubled from in six months. And uh, some of the growth happened pretty fast. And some of it has been more gradual, but it's been continuous. And um, out of it, of course, we've created an uh, ACB community Facebook group. We have a community uh, channel uh, stream where a lot of the content is shared uh, uh, over ACB radio. It's also podcasted. So we have our own ACB community podcast. Um we have we've gone from six hosts in June Zoom hosts trained to thirty eight Zoom homes Zoom wow. Zoom hosts trained currently and more being trained. Many of those that are being trained, I know, are going to be moving into um, doing hosting for their own affiliates because, of course, that's what I'm encouraging uh, is people to start their own community events and or you know being able to support their affiliates on at their at that level uh, and then we've continued to have hump day happy hours which is kind of what gave us you know like a start on March 11th and then everything exploded um, but the the president's hump day hour continues and we typically have anywhere from 12 to 18 presidents on a call at each week and at times we have uh, staff or committee chairs come on and share with presidents information to bring them uh, on board about things that are going on and answer questions that they might have or ask let them ask questions um, so 
this is our community and the hump day happy hours kind of help spearhead that so it it gave me a little taste of how to do it uh and man it's just been a crazy ride and i think probably the the coolest thing and eric reminds me of this all of the time is that this is we're doing this for blind people but it's blind people doing this for blind people blind people are hosting um, helping support have blind people are facilitating and moderating blind people are hosting and supporting the facilitators and moderators and blind people are coming to these events and coming up with ideas and content and um, it has been really empowering and engaging and for the first time in the history of this organization we have something to offer members who come to check us out to join to look at us to whatever whatever level they are when they come to ACB we instantly have a way to engage them we've never had that before but we have stuff going on in the community uh, seven days a week and people are reaching out to me already wanting to ensure we have good programming going on throughout Thanksgiving day People are looking at New Year's <laughs> Day. Mm-hmm. People want to make sure that people are taken care of and nobody yeah. is alone. Wow. And um, and it's, again, people in the community reaching out, wanting to make sure that we are taking care of each other. And um, it is one of the most heartwarming things that I, I mean, I'm just so humbled that, uh, you know, I get to be a part of this. Um, the other thing that's happened is we're creating more relationships with uh, other organizations and people are seeking us out and wanting to bring programming to us and are responding to when we ask them if they'd like to be bring events. So that's been really cool and I think that will continue to grow. We're learning that uh, rehab agencies are um, recommending People come and check us out and take part. Um, So we're just fostering all these relationships. And um, I need to clone myself probably five times over to be able to uh, keep going at the rate I'm going. Um, So, but it's amazing. And, um, and then, you know, most of you probably know this, but uh, uh, I have been allowed now to work indefinitely remotely, and so I am now working out of Michigan. I mean, I live in Michigan now. I moved close to my family, my daughter, and my grandkids, and uh, so I'm just really grateful uh, to be able to be in a job that I love and care so passionately about, and now be able to be near family as well. And uh, none of this, the move, I never really stopped. Even in my move, I took uh, two half days and then uh, two days off uh, during my move. But I've continued, you know, to just keep working. Um, I do have an intern, Nat, who's been working since the beginning of September. And um, uh, she's been helping a lot with scheduling and is now working on some work for the posse and, you um, and also we're trying uh, to get a grasp on volunteer and capturing volunteer hours because we know it's pretty immense in the community events. So that's just a whole nother big, huge, gigantic project. But all of this requires a lot of work behind the scenes. And so, you know, again, just trying to keep everything going and still do 
all of that other stuff. Um, you know, it's a, it, it's just big. Um, and then I, I'm sorry, cause I've been gone a lot of this call. I don't know if it was shared about to, uh, officially about, uh, the vision serve Alliance award. Was Let it? me share that Cindy. Thank and you. so, um, we this was mentioned briefly at our, our workshop yesterday, but Vision Serve Alliance, which is an organization of rehabilitation agencies serving the blind, of consumer groups, of national industry for the blind agencies, uh, they have several hundred members of Vision Serve Alliance. And this year, they began an award for the first time, the Roxanne Mayros Organizational Champion Award where they recognized an individual who made a significant difference in, in the ability to provide value to the blind and visually impaired field. And uh, we were fortunate enough inside of ACB, we couldn't think of a more deserving person to nominate than, than Cindy Hollis and the work that has happened under our community events program this year. And we were very fortunate to hear that Cindy won the, won the award and was presented. Uh, they had nomination videos and acceptance videos at their uh, leadership conference last week. So I just want to say congratulations to Cindy and uh, really an outstanding effort and something we should all be proud of. But we should definitely give Cindy Hollis a big hip hip, hip hooray. Hip, hooray. Hey. Yay. So Cindy, well, thank you. Few words. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like really that I, I wanted to make sure it got mentioned because I know there are people listening um, on ACB radio and really that recognition is about the community and um, there, this would not have happened. Uh, there's no doubt. I've done a lot of work. There's no doubt. Um, I mean, if I tried to say, oh, no, I haven't hardly done anything, people wouldn't believe me anyway, because the most common question I get is, do I ever sleep? <laughs> um, so, but but it's because of the energy and the enthusiasm and the passion that people are bringing to the community. And many of you here in the board who have supported these calls, um, that it it wouldn't have gotten to where it is today with getting you know more than 300 calls uh, a month and um but also that so many new people coming on board which you know uh, it's scary sometimes when we think about bringing new people in but it means new energy new ideas um just it's pretty exciting and when i think about my job uh Somehow this all has happened and I, you know, it's allowed me to really um, do my job. <laughs> so um, anyway, so that's all I've got. Uh, uh, oh, and uh, one more thing, Be My Eyes. We continue to do work with Be My Eyes. We are one of their um, uh, resources for blind blindness uh, resources. And, um, and we are now up to uh, five hours a day. And our goal is by the end of the year, um, we will be at eight hours a day, uh, nine to five Eastern. That is the goal. Uh, we are working on bringing more people on board as volunteers. And so, uh, and already have people lined up that are 
coming on board. So anyway, it's very exciting and uh, we don't get a whole lot of calls, but the goal is that when we do, we want to make sure that we can answer those calls in a timely manner and that nobody ever calls uh, ACB through Be My Eyes and does not get their call answered. And we are doing a great job at responding. So staff, um, there's designated staff that uh, will pick up if it, the you know, it rings more than two or three times and then we pick it up. But you guys, that's, you know, we're doing a great job with that. So anyway, thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Any questions or comments for Cindy? Yeah, this is Donna. I, I just wanted to say, you know, these community calls, uh, uh, first of all, every time I host one or, or facilitate one, it seems like there's new people on there uh, every time. But uh, the benefit, I think, that members are, are um, gaining from these, I, I hosted, I mean, I facilitated the tips and tricks the other day, and there was a person on and who's been on many calls, but um, and it, when I was presenting, and then they, the person asked um, for phone number, you know, for, for the company that um, makes that item, you know, and I didn't have the phone number right there, but somebody else on the call did. And the person requesting it had their Braille writer right there, ready to go to write it down. And, you know, that person came knowing that they, they wanted to, to gain information. I just think that's so valuable. So, and, and Donna filled in for a facilitator. So like, this is the cool thing is like, we have such a big network we're gaining and uh, it's just been pretty, thank you, Donna, for that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I do think the other thing I could share is that we, I've broken um, things into seven categories uh, so we can kind of map out where is, you know, where are these calls? Like, what kind of calls people ask me, you know, is it the social calls or is it better to have a topic driven call or people come to all of them. So first of all, that's, I mean, and everybody's got, and if you ask different people, they'd yep. all give you different answers. So, yep. um, but uh, social calls are a, approximately a third of our calls are social calls. Uh, that's coffee socials. That's evening socials and day during the day socials. It doesn't matter when. Um, we have a uh, probably about five percent are like fun related calls, um, and then about ten uh, percent of the well, no, about fifteen percent now are health and wellness, um, and then about ten percent are, uh, uh, or it's split close to evenly across the board for technology um, and. So it's probably like 10% technology, 10% peer support, 10% personal development, and then probably another, I don't, whatever, it's a little more than 10% um, is going to be like topic driven. So, and those could be lighthearted or those could be serious. I mean, those are just like the hodgepodge of topics. So um, just gives you some idea of how things kind of break out. Thank you. That's cool. Dan, Any Dan? other? Yes, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say, too, um, I agree with Donna. As uh, First of all, I'm glad Cindy called it like a moving train and not a train wreck. I'm glad she did that. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't been but, a train wreck yet. <laughs> I hope yet. it doesn't. Yeah, I, I was, <clears throat> yeah, I was thinking... Uh, I was thinking, I think I mentioned to you, I was like, boy, we, we've actually created a monster. Um, <laughs> but I think the other thing that Cindy has done that's been really great, uh, 
for those of us that both host calls and want to schedule calls is develop some really nice, easy to use yes. uh, Google forms. Thank yeah. you. We can yeah. go on and Ugh. fill out and, um, and all that stuff. I just, I just feel bad because sometimes it's hard to commit to a four hour block of time, but I know it's you okay. Have to it's that. okay. We got a lot of people and thank you for bringing that up. I should have mentioned that we do have two documents now. Again, the processes, you know, nobody, and I'm glad some people like them because there are some people that don't oh, and I hear yeah, from I them. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically if somebody is an event planner and they want to plan an event, they have to schedule it by Wednesday in the, on the form um, and they will make the weekly schedule, but they can schedule it after that and for the daily schedule. So uh, it's just that if they want to make the weekly schedule, because there's a lot of moving parts like Sharon records all of those calls, uh, you know, for the phone system and Kelly puts all of those calls up on the website. And so we, you know, there's gotta be a cutoff and it takes work. We have to edit and make sure that we have all the zoom information and it's correct. And we, you know, sometimes we fall short. We've got it. We've just had to find a way to get a hold of that. So that's Wednesday. And then hosts uh, fill out their availability uh, by Thursday for the following Sunday through Saturday week. And that is so that we can put a schedule together. And I was really proud of myself uh, because last night I was able to send out a schedule um, last night to uh, those that, you know, put in for stuff. And uh, so I'm just like, it was great. Uh, prior to that, uh, prior to those forms, we were just trying to make our way through a bunch of emails and not sure which ones did we answer, which ones didn't we, did we, you know, and, and Nan and I are both doing it. So that was really hard because, you know, we're looking at the same inbox um, for the community and um, it, 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 there was just too much room for us to miss something. So now uh, it's it's been really great to add that process. I, I feel bad because I forgot to fill out the schedule. So if if you get in a bind, just contact. Thanks, me. I appreciate it. Bonnie. Yeah, same here, Cindy. Same here. Not, no problem. It's okay. We had twenty. I scheduled twenty people this week. So, um, you know, it it doesn't have to be ever the same people doing the work every week, right? And that's that's the beauty of it where we're at. So, thank, yep. thank you, Cindy. Uh, Clark, uh, I think what we're going to do, Cindy, you have another commitment with California at what, 4.30? 4.30, yes. Eastern, okay. So what we're going to do, uh, if it's okay with everybody, we're going to take a, a 15-minute break till 3.05 Eastern. Then we're going to come back and have uh, Clark do advocacy, and then we're going to bump Cindy ahead of ERPS and have Cindy do scholarship and awards, and then have Claire do information referral and peer support. So if that's okay with everybody, that'll be our three next steering committees after the break. So we'll take a 15-minute break, and we'll be back at 3.05 sharp. 3.35, 335. right? 3.35. Three th- I'm sorry, 3.35. 3.35 sharp. 3.35 sharp. Okay. See you, everybody, in 15 minutes. Okay. Bye. <laughs> 